Welcome to episode 14-8 of the Tech Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Professor Eagle Allen. With me tonight is Eric Swim. Am I a kid or am I a squid? I still haven't figured this out yet, and it's driving me nuts. And we also have Jeremy Lawman Lamont. It's been so long I thought I was Eric Blue Swim. That's, that's what it's like to be me now. Should we jump right in? Mailbag? Let's yeah, do it. I got, okay. got a couple, too. So we have uh, Ruthless uh, Kidder, who yeah. asks who had the best E3 presentation. Ooh. Should I kick things off? Uh, yeah, give, give us your thought on that. Objectively, I thought it was pretty even, of course. But subjectively, for me, Nintendo won, hands down. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So first of all, to quote a couple of Microsoft executives, uh, they said it was so Japanese. Well, duh, they're a Japanese company. So that's like accusing Microsoft of not having lollies. When did they make this quote? Were they sitting in the, in the lunchroom and they're yeah, like, Yeah, it was, it was. It was in the uh, cafeteria at E3. They were asking uh, Sage and I what, what we liked best. I was just I kidding. I thought it was... No, you were, they were sitting next. On. They were sitting in between the jocks and the stoners, and they decided that it was too Japanese. <laughs> no, it was, just, there. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, breakfast club all over again. No, yeah. but one thing I'd love to find out about, and, and you can look for it in almost every interview I do, is is the inspiration for games in, in the history. And Nintendo just brought a lot of that. Uh, Miyamoto was, was talking about Star Fox's uh, animals, uh, you know, how they were taken from mythology and how the gates in Star Fox were like the Atari... Uh, um, you know, the, those gates from uh, Shinto temples that had me all giddy. And then when they showed, Oh my God, when they showed the design docs from the original super Mario brothers, that was sweet. Transparent that was paper. Nice. I'm a, I was in heaven. And, uh, I, I was thinking they really need to make a museum for that because millions of people, they, they know the layout. They know every single block. It's like part of the collective consciousness. So um, they're including something like that with Mario maker, right? Like a little booklet or something. Yeah. 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 But they I should would... do like a full on like hardcover coffee table book with that I stuff. would love to see the original somewhere. Wouldn't that be so awesome? Just I mean, a museum would like be cool, but I'd never visit it. I mean, if I could have something yeah. in on my what? shelf, that would be that would be awesome. No, you have to see it in person, Jeremy. What, what are you talking about? Well, I'll, I'll pray to the east <laughs> at noon and midnight. It'll probably be at the Nintendo World. So so then, after that, they showed uh, Fire Emblem Fates, uh, followed by uh, Shimagami Tensei Fire Emblem, without subs, and I thought something was going wrong. And that was the moment at E3. That was the one and only moment at E3. I was positively giddy. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is this just for me? Uh, then they had Super Mario Maker, which was just sweet icing on the cake. Ever since Did I was you a watch kid. any of the Nintendo World Championships? Yes, Mario that was Maker? the best moment. That was the best. I missed that. Oh, there was one segment during the championship, the championship finals, I believe it was. And they had a whole bunch of like a uh, multiple multiple door rooms, like in uh, Bowser's Castle in Super Mario World. Yeah, yeah. And the one guy goes into this like first door in the second half of the level, and it's Bowser on top of Bowser on top of Bowser, like a giant right bunch of Mario. Yeah. It's like, like oh, holy shit, get the hell out of here! <laughs> so, he, so the thing is, he when he picked the doors, he would have to choose the right one sight unseen, and in mm-hmm. each of the bad ones that he picked, it was like. You know, ten bullet bills, like you know, aiming right. At the, and if you don't, and if he didn't hurry, he would have to go back out until finally he hit the right one. My favorite moment from that, because I watched the same thing too, and and I have to agree. That's there, there were only a couple times that I really like cheered or like you know really got really excited. And and one was, do you remember Blue when they were doing? I think it was the it was the first Super Mario Brothers level, and they had the those uh, like treadmill things, yes. and there were arrows pointing up, and everybody's trying to figure out which way to go. And one guy finally figured it out, and it was you would use the treadmill to catapult upward, upward, upward onto more and more and more treadmill mills and, and and they had spaced the jumps out so that he could get it just right and i had my six-year-old on my lap and we were watching and every time he hit one of the next treadmills we were going go 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 
and it's until finally he was supposed to get through. And he actually missed the final jump, but it was uh, it, it was pretty exciting. That that was that I think was one of my favorite moments of of sort of pre E three. I guess he blew the uh, flagpole, didn't get any fireworks. Yeah, well, it was actually he was supposed to like fall down like this thing and, and land on a warp pipe, and he kind of missed it and had to do it all over again. But uh, it was uh, it, it was still so pretty much shame for him. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like when I play a video game, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and then I fall off some geometry or something. You missed the first jump. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so Nintendo. Well, I, I don't know that I have any any really unique take on it, but uh, I, I think it sort of depends on the context in which you are answering the question. I think there's something to be said for announcements that are happening right now. Uh, you know, games that that are imminently playable. Um, I, I think as far as the overall, you know, shock and awe factor, I think it's hard to beat Sony this year. Um, yeah. I mean, they were making dreams come true yes. eventually. Um, I mean, the obviously, some... Shirley reference. So it early, <laughs> Jesus, <journey. laughs> gonna make our dreams come true. Um, so you know, of course, with the uh, the announcement, uh, they they led their press conference with the Last Guardian. They led with the Last Guardian. Uh, I think that was the other time when I was like, oh my god, they're not really going to do it. They're not really going to do it, and they did. Um, and uh, they're committed to it now, so they've got a release date and everything on that. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was one, of course. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, I think, was the other one, the the remake, which. Nice. Uh, We'll probably see that in about five years. We'll see when that actually happens. But but again, still really cool moment. Uh, and then the Shenmue Kickstarter, which they launched right there on stage, and uh, I, you know, and even even before, I, I don't know what it was, but right before the press conference, I had even tweeted like, the, you know, the, the the desire for for these, you know, Shenmue and 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 uh, the Last Guardian are really like raw and throbbing this year, and it turns out that they. You know, they they just really went for it. So uh, you have your I, I finger think, on the pulse. Yeah, I think they I think they put on the best show overall. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, and, and even they have said that their lineup this year is pretty thin. And when an executive right. says the lineup is pretty thin, it probably means they've got nothing at all. But I appreciated uh, the lack of the uh, storybook moment. I really would like or the, to see or the uh, what was it Sony TV? I don't know. I fell asleep last year. PlayStation View, is that something, the one? Yeah, yeah something. or the we're, we're, when they talk about TV. I just tune out. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> they they've done a they've done a pretty good job. I think over the years, getting a little bit better each time. At, yeah, at yeah. Trying to Microsoft keep too. Focus. Yeah, and Remember so Microsoft, Microsoft was the other one. Was, you know. Microsoft. The thing about them was, I was trying to. They, they had a really good like middle section where they started showing some some more games. Like mm-hmm. when they started talking about, you know, they started showing things like Cuphead yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, the montage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they had a really good montage, and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good montage, which is one of the oh, reasons yeah. why I typically like the Sony. Uh, <laughs> yes, they, no, yeah. Nobody does a sizzle reel like Sony, right? <laughs> and then sometimes um, they uh, they used to open with that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but as far as anything in particular that uh, that really excited me at Microsoft, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they had a pretty good middling showing overall. I will say though that of all of the platforms that were uh, doing press conferences at E3, the only one whose console I've bought since E3 was an Xbox. I'm now the proud owner of an Xbox One. So Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm uh, pretty, pretty stoked about that. Are you going to be talking about an Xbox One exclusive tonight? Well, uh, I, I can. I should. But actually, I'll tell you, the thing that pushed me over the edge was I had a digital copy of DMC, the mm-hmm. remastered right, edition, right. and I was like, oh, i got to play that. So it was actually a last-gen game that, uh, that really got me. Uh, and then Nintendo, I, I, one of the things I will say, and I, and I think I've probably said in the past, on this show, one of the things I'd really like to see from Metroid in particular is a a little bit more of a, of a branching out. Uh, there are a lot of companies, a lot of developers who are doing Metroid games 
probably better than Nintendo is going to do Metroid again. Um, uh, you know, Ori in the Blind Forest is one. Axiom Verge is another Axiom, one that came yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people are doing a great job with that genre, and I'm just not sure. Guacamelee. Guacamelee, and they're re-releasing Guacamelee, by the way, in uh, an indie box. Uh, they're doing a, a physical edition oh, of that. So, I was about to say again? No, 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 no. I mean, I'm consider. I'm just. That's my way of saying that Guacamelee is still a 2015 game. So. Uh, but but uh, I, I think that Nintendo overall had games that I could generally pass on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, you know, the Animal Crossing stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, all right, I don't, I don't really need to play that. Or um, I'm trying to, you know, even Star Fox, like, okay. Oh, come on. Yeah, I mean it's just Star Fox, you know. Like you can you can run around on a little chicken leg R wing or something, and like okay, all right, you it's know, like the really... Star Fox Two reboot. Yeah, yeah, and they actually mentioned that, which I thought was cool. So so they did. Is I mean, showing but the. But it's been you know, the... so long since we played Star Fox. It has been, but it doesn't really. And, and for an on rail shooter, I mean, I guess there was the uh, the DS uh, Star Fox, but yeah. you know, going back to the Nintendo sixty four version, I, I, it's an on rail shooter. That's one of the best. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. That, that just got so. <laughs> many hours of usage when I was growing up. You know, and and actually, I'd like to see more games like that where you can sort of replay them and not get to the end necessarily. Like the the branching choices and stuff is something that I'm not sure that we see a lot of other games doing. But anyways, just speaking generally, I mean, even even the you know the Fire Emblem stuff, like okay, you know, all right, all right. But I didn't really see myself like running out to get it or anything. Um, I'm trying to remember what else they they had showed because uh, there was Animal Crossing, there was. Um, I mean, Mario Maker for sure is is something I'm absolutely interested in. Oh, yeah. So that mm-hmm. that that I think is a is a must. Although, uh, I, up to this point, I think, and maybe this is just my problem for my expectations, but I had thought that it was going to be a lesser. Oh, what was the uh, virtual reality ghost hunting game? What was that? Uh... Oh, I'm uh, you know there was a there was a period there where I kind of passed out. I think there was some anime. I think my screen dropped on. out halfway. Through. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but geez. anyway, they, they they did all right too. But uh, even though they are showing things that are new, because they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be dumping. Uh, probably they're going to be dumping the Wii U and the 3DS shortly for NX next year. They've got to get out stuff right now. So, uh, it, to their credit, they were showing things that are probably the most imminent of of any of the platform holders. But uh, I don't know. There were there were maybe one or two things that I was pretty interested in. But overall, it was like okay, that's kind of neat. Um, Amiibos, you know, like okay. Um, you know, so so I don't know. For for me, like I said, so my answer to the question is: as far as just pure show, all flash, no substance. Uh, Sony for sure was just sure. the easiest to get excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft fairly fairly middling. Nintendo had uh, a, a lot of interesting, imminent stuff to show, but not a lot that excited me personally. All the three E three shows. I got to be honest. I was most disappointed with Nintendo's. And <laughs> well, you know, I was waiting for that big home run title and i mean we all knew about mario maker we've all seen mario maker it, it looks incredible there wasn't any real big surprises there was no uh zelda wii u whatever that's gonna end up being called it, it just and everybody was hoping for animal crossing and here comes animal crossing and it's an amiibo card bustle board game thing oh wait 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 here comes a, here comes another oh this is gonna be it this is gonna be the real animal crossing and it's like a happy tree friends house builder type thing. It was. It, it Here was comes multi- Metroid. Oh shit! <laughs> hey, I was. Che- exactly. I stood up and cheered for that one. I, <laughs> that was just for me. You know, I, I, I got to be honest. If they're going to bring back Metroid and they're going to do it on the 3DS, it's 
gotta be a sequel to metroid prime hunters on the on the ds that game is underrated super under- no super metroid it's got to be a yeah. 2d mm. on 3ds yeah because otherwise it's, you gotta hold the stylus and uh, yeah well it wasn't that it wasn't that bad because you could and then you split the, the market with the get... new 3ds with the stick and the stick is a little funky and Uh-oh. yeah Stop being such a hater. My, my stick is hard, Jeremy. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> doesn't but yeah, bend the way I like it. <laughs> but yeah, I just felt like Nintendo was all sizzle no steak this time around. I mean, they had some decent announcements as far as like the Amiibo in Skylanders, but it didn't have that home run announcement that everybody was hoping for. We a lot I of know, I kind of like that too because now the amiibos will actually be useful in a game somewhere. Well yeah, I I mean I'm interested in it, but when you're talking Animal Crossing and Wii U, you know, you have a certain level of expectation there. Right. And you find out it's like a Mario Party clone with amiibo support. It's like they're, you know, dragging the carpet out from under you. And it's not necessarily the way you want to do things at E3, in my personal opinion. If they hadn't announced that, you know, just, I don't know, in the middle of March or whatever, just, you know, random time of the year, that wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it is free to play after all, apparently. Of course, you need the Amiibos. You know, it's just at E3, if you're going to get people talking about Animal Crossing, you need to be getting them talking about Animal Crossing in the right way. And I don't think that either one of the games they announced we're the right way. Here's an interesting thing. I feel like in, in a way that Nintendo and Sony are sort of in the same boat where they each have a big platform coming next year-ish or they're going to be talking about it more next year. For Nintendo, it's the NX. For Sony, it's Morpheus. And they've got teams sort of, you know, what would you call it? Front-filling or, or you know, they're sandbagging what they've, what they've got, you know, trying to have interesting and good things for the next big platform while they do whatever they can to stave off the, the hordes with what, you know, what they can offer right now. Yeah. Did you see Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem? I did. Come on. You didn't get excited? I would have been more excited if I saw, like, Chie or Yukiko or some, someone from the Persona games in there, because I'm not... No. I've never played any of the regular Shin Megami Tensei games. All I play is the Persona games, and mm-hmm. I love the Persona games. Right. So when... You know, I, I'm not necessarily recognizing, you know, many of the characters on the Shin Megami Tensei front. And, you know, my knowledge of Fire Emblem is somewhat limited to just, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening Working. and yeah. Roy and Marth. And that's pretty much it. You know, it was a little bit of a letdown for me. I, I'm not exactly sure what the what my expectations were going in, but it didn't really gel with me like I was expecting it to. It was, I mean, it looked it looked different. <laughs> But I, Blue, are you trying to say it wasn't anime enough? <laughs> you guys know what podcast you're on. Yeah, I did not have enough waifus. I did not see enough of my waifus, so I'm. So not who happy. did it for you then? Who was the number one? Who was the top dog? Well, you know, I, I got to tell you, Sony, Sony won with the, and I know it's not technically their announcement, their project, whatever. How, however, that ended up going down. Although it has come out later that. Uh, yeah. But when the Shenmue 3 announcement hit, I have not been that just verbally excited at a game announcement since, I, I, I guess, Fire Pro Wrestling Returns getting announced for North America for a $15 <laughs> release. I mean, that I literally nearly fell out what of was, an office chair. Lap, what was lap that, lap. for the Dreamcast? Uh, that was for the uh, PS2. PS2, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Like, Fire Pro's back and it's 15 bucks. Holy shit! And I nearly ended up on the floor, <laughs> rocking back in my chair. 
But yeah, the Shenmue three announcement that was that was the big deal for me. That oh, and of course the uh, Final Fantasy seven remake that was a big announcement, and then they followed it up with Shenmue. It's just like Holy you know who shit. else was surprised. You know who else was surprised by the Final Fantasy seven announcement? No one. Who was that? Tetsuya Nomura. <laughs> oh yeah, Did, that is think until he saw his name in the credits. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when the director doesn't know, it's, it's probably going to be a good while before we see that one. That's, that's uh, the stage yeah. that project is in. And, of course, uh, Shenmue 3 is not going to be out until uh, 2017 at the yeah, earliest, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. And we'll see how that does. And what are they up to? A couple, couple... I think they're... I don't, I don't think they're... Four? They're not four yet million? to the, uh, the, the true open world experience. <laughs> I need $10 million. You've given me two. Give me 10. <laughs> should move on 2 million. What is that going to be? It'll be a kind of a semi open world. It'll right. be like you can talk yeah. to four guys in a town square. Exactly. And you It'll can't be open animal crossing. Yeah. Honestly, Sony had, you know, they had a lot to live up to because the PS4 has been, you know, kicking the Xbox, the Xbox one's ass for most of the last year. And they opened with the last guardian. And a lot of people thought, we, were, we aren't even going to see it. It's going to be vaporware. It's going to get canceled, yada, yada, yada. And they opened with The Last Guardian. <laughs> it's, um, it was one hell of a show. I, of all three platform makers, if I didn't already have a Wii U, and I wasn't factoring in all the games that are already out for it, if I had to choose which of the three consoles I'd end up with after E3, I'd definitely say PS4. I mean, that Shenmue kind of put that on lock. Blue, are you saying you think they shouldn't have opened with The Last Guardian, or you think they should have? Oh, oh I think that, that was great. That just yeah, okay. set a high standard for for the show, and it kept on living up to it. <laughs> it's right. like they open it with this, and then they have Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, and then they followed that up with Shenmue, uh, Shenmue 3 and uh, Uncharted uh, for uh, A Thief's End. That looked great, aside from uh, the uh, technical <laughs> hiccup in the... Uh, that was the one game that I felt like people were actually playing during the entire show. You know, during yeah, all... Yeah, you know, like so, how the, You know, and, 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 a cynical person might say, oh, well, they did it on purpose, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I felt like it was the most authentic of, of those kinds of uh, demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, you yeah. don't want to see a technical problem happen, but it, at least it makes you feel like well at least they're actually ha- having the stones to play it live in front of the audience right. yep. stage what about you what do you think of e3 i had a lot of fun at e3 i um was more impressed by individual titles than no that's the wrong way to say it i thought most of the shows were pretty good but i had more connection with the individual titles more than the shows um which may have been because i didn't go to the press conferences this year and usually i do um, Bethesda seemed to be such a huge crowd pleaser. I was surprised to hear as much as I did about it afterwards, which Robert, you didn't end up going to it, right? Nope. Cause they were lame. Did you talk about how lame they were? No, I didn't. I talked about the Microsoft uh, executives. What happened with them? When we were eating lunch. Oh, those What they guys. said about, yeah. uh, Nintendo. Yeah. That's racist. <laughs> Um, you want to tell them about Bethesda? So I got invited to Bethesda, and I wanted to transfer the pass to Sage uh, because I wouldn't be able to to make it. And so I asked them to to go on her behalf, and they basically emailed me back saying that the passes were not transferable. Thank you. We'll give your pass to someone else. <laughs> oh, 
dick. Like just Stone straight cold. up yeah. rude. All he did was ask if it was possible. He did right. You didn't even tell right. them for sure you weren't going. I didn't know that was not an option on the dialogue tree. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> oh, super you harsh. Got the bad ending. Reload your save. Super yeah. bad ending. There were some really bad PR people this year. <laughs> there really were. <laughs> that just didn't know product. You ask him a question? Uh, let me get back to you on that. Ask him a question, too. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. So Yeah, we, we had a third person come with us for part of one day to help us out with taking notes and, and sort of being present for interviews. And her first comment to us and then repeated comment to us was, why don't these people know anything? Yeah. <laughs> like Robert would ask That's a question easy. and they'd get very like red faced and be like, um, you know, we'll have someone email you about that. Then day two, we were going to look at some uh, hardware. I won't say the manufacturer. There was a girl who just slumped over on the couch. Like she has an armful of heroin. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and she was the one who was going to walk us through. Yep. <laughs> And her yeah. walkthrough was her sitting at a desk and mostly being like, so you guys know a lot of this already, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys God. got any questions? Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much your insider's view of E3 that yeah. nobody, nobody talks about. It, it was an odd year. There was a lot of really calm uh, feel to it, I thought. And then, and then there were a lot of really – there were very individualized, hyped-up things instead of the whole thing feeling very hyped-up, yeah. which was sort of a unique – take on it yep i got blue you'd be happy maybe probably i got super addicted to both disgaea 5 oh, and yeah i sat down to play it and robert just never had a chance i think i played it for probably half an hour <laughs> while robert asked questions and what's the what's the one i like robert where the clothes come off the estival versus or whatever oh uh uh senran kagura yeah senran yeah. kagura yeah yeah I actually got really into that. I don't always love those games. Yeah, Exceed's booth was just incredible. Exceed was all... Oh, yeah. I mean, they should have maybe got Best in Show as far as we go as a company because their stuff was super, super on point. I played EDF yep. for, gosh, about Ooh. an hour. And the yeah. Vita? Both, both Vita and PS4. Mm-hmm. And just was like, can I play some more? Can I play some more? Yeah. <laughs> there weren't a lot of people, surprisingly, at Exceed's booth. Yeah, and uh, they were like, oh, don't you want to see this? Don't you want to see this? Almost everything they showed uh, was just looked really good. Looked like something I, I'd want to play. I think hands down that was the booth where we did not want to walk away. Like there were some other booths we went yeah. to where we were like, okay, we're done. But there, every single yeah. game we jumped Afro on was Samurai like, Two. I couldn't whoa, run. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. I, Afro I, Samurai Two is actually a thing. Yeah, yeah that's weird. I right? couldn't. I couldn't run away fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that for the Xbox. Never played it. Uh, the first one was okay. This one really bad. I got I got bored within mm-hmm. ten minutes. So Uh-oh. maybe it's early. Maybe it's. Early. I didn't ask. I didn't care to ask. I was not having fun with it at all. Right. And that a part of that was controls and I think lack of plot, but the controls weren't very smooth either. Part of that was I was fighting the same dude like thirty times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one enemy, not even uh, color color swapped or anything like that. Next question we have, uh, I guess uh, this was over a tweet I, I put out today. Deagle saw your tweet about Pixels. What's everyone's reaction to the movie? So a little background. I probably should apologize. I believe his name is Scott. Uh, no, Patrick Scott Peterson. I might have offended him. Um, so if you're listening, sorry about that. Um, what what uh, I, I asked about that is I wondered who the demographic uh, was for the movie because, you know, I've been wrong about movies before. I saw the trailer recently. And with this one, you know, I kind of wasn't feeling it. Um, now, I've been wrong before. I've seen a trailer and thought the movie would suck and then was pleasantly surprised. But between 
Adam Sandler, the Paul Blurt guy, I forgot his name. Kevin Good, James. Ke- yes. Thank you, Kevin James. Music by Good Charlotte. Um, the fake uh, Iwatani. Uh, <laughs> That's a tr- fake Iwatani? What? Yes. <laughs> I, thought it was, I mean, I didn't know. No. I thought it was really him. No, oh, oh, he's totally one redeeming thing. Oh, no. no. I, I almost, Excuse me. I'm going to go give this I almost threw my movie popcorn. a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, I don't know what he looks like. I mean, I... Okay. He looks a little bit older, less uh, Hollywoodish. Uh, and then the trailer. It, it didn't elicit a single laugh, so... Sorry, but the movie looks like a big stinking turd. Hopefully, I'm wrong, but uh, Rose, you haven't Adam... seen it yet, Robert. No, no, I haven't seen it. I don't really plan to. A- Adam Sandler hasn't made me laugh since Happy Gilmore. Uh, you didn't like I Fifty mean... First Dates? No, horrible. Well, um, I, like I mean, I've watched some of his movies. I've I've watched um, what was the Don't Mess with the Zohan Click Grown Ups. I mean, the the guy's resume reads like a train wreck. I, I can't. Oh my god, that. no! You don't understand. If you're Jewish, don't mess with the Zohan. It's friggin' hilarious. Okay. Hilarious. Really? But I, I yeah, I couldn't. No. handle So it. funny. Israelis. Just go with it. It's not yeah. bad either. But not I, bad. That's a ringing endorsement. It's not too bad. Right. Better than a toothache extraction. But but I do agree <laughs> with you about this, Robert. I mean, I think having having said nothing, schmearing about it, and um, of course, like you said, maybe it'll be fine. But I I'm not usually wrong with trailers, and that trailer it looks like most of the actors are not really excited to be there. Like they're phoning it in. <laughs> their paycheck. Right. Right. And it's just it seems like I mean as. I think for gamers, like, I don't think a lot of gamers that I've talked to are interested in seeing it at all because it seems like such a pandering, like, garbage kind of thing. And it kind of seems like it was written by people who don't actually know gaming that well. Right. I don't really think Pac-Man would eat anyone's arm. Right. Well, actually, an alien. Right. The idea is that they're aliens and they decided to come to Earth and kill us using video game characters because we sent video game characters into space. I mean, that's Uh, so weak. Like, why would that happen? (laughs) I think the plot was stolen from a second graders' (laughs) free writing experiment. Kids, we need a new movie. All of you draw down something and we'll uh, examine them. So it's Pac Man. He's an alien and he's coming to eat people. Oh, man. That's brilliant, dude. Yeah, that's brilliant, dude. (laughs) I mean, I like how I like the effect of things turning into pixels and like disintegrating. Yeah, no, no, it looked kind of cool. So yeah, that looks cool, visual. but yeah, it seems like it's going to be kind of a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Learning well, that that is not the real creator of Pac Man just completely. You guys didn't know. Fucked. Why would you think that it was? Why would he do that? I don't know because yeah. they said it is. Why would yeah. I not think it's? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I figured it was the one legitimizing thing. Yeah, no. it, yeah. It, it's. I mean, do you guys like? And here's a cameo the creator like, of Pac Man. We walked up and saw him on the street. I know I wouldn't. Anyway. So, so that guys, so the so the question was Robert why why did you offend somebody was that well, the question Well what was the everyone's reaction to the to I don't the movie, think anybody's trailer. looking forward to this is the reaction so yeah, I think I think it's going to be um perhaps laugh at how bad it is good kind of bad That's bad that's about the good. best that's about the best you could do. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, the that's, last that's movie I really thought that about was that Dungeons and Dragons movie. That movie was so oh my bad. God, it's one of the I was, brothers? I was laughing so hard that tears were coming out of my eyes. The one that came <laughs> out when I was like 15. Right. I, I really wanted that movie to be good. Yeah, oh my God, but it was so bad. <laughs> that, was, that was horrible. It was a really bad movie. <laughs> okay, we got another movie question. Uh, partnered. He uh, expects a word about Ant. Tomei. <laughs> so I'll, I guess I'll kick things off. It's hard not to like Marissa Tomei. Um, it, it's really hard not to like her after seeing The Rustler. Um, but <laughs> I've always pictured Aunt May as being, I don't know, a little bit less hot. Yeah, a little, little bit less appealing. So I think it's brilliant Hollywood casting, but at the same time, it's a bit sad that they couldn't 
get someone like Mirren or Dench or I don't know who the hell. Why would the hell would uh, Helen Mirren be being a bit player in Spider-Man? But Can I someone, ask a question about Aunt May the character? Involved. Yes. Why is she always so old if she's his aunt wouldn't she be the same age as like his parents like why is she like his grandma a, like why why can't she well, be there, there, can, there can be book. there can be siblings because that reasons. are 20 years apart i mean why can't she be hot aunt may you know of course a lot of people oh. from that generation tend to dress a little bit older maybe i'm just i don't know i'm just oh. throwing it out there i mean why does she have to be so old so red, well, red connor wearing what... a bikini all the time oh my god best oh, movie ever i know i was gonna say i give give that lady the oscar i think uh, but jeremy <laughs> i think part of the answer to your question i mean if i'm just you know shooting suggestions out is that maybe because in spider-man particularly because so much of his character is about the angst of having to keep his identity secret because if not, bad things will happen to everybody I know. So the people in his life sort of have to be weak and frail because that's why he feels like, oh, I really have to go out of my way to protect them yeah, and make sure. So that, frail? It, I mean... so that makes it even worse. Not only do I have all these teen issues, but I have a hot aunt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, exactly what I'm saying. Like, oh, well, I can't. The pathos of Spider-Man. I gotcha. See, that, that's all I'm saying. I, I think they should play the, that angle. That's all, I'm, that's all I really want. If the, if you aunt... just know, you just want to see Marissa Tomei being hot. I hope she Isn't has. Isn't that what the wrestler's for? Because she's hot. <laughs> like, if she does yeah. some upside down Spider Man kissing, I'd be okay with that. He can't kiss Dude, his watch aunt. the wrestler. <laughs> That'd be funny if she was chasing him around the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Spider Man, I find you so attractive. No, 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 no. It just it won't work out. I Please guarantee it'd be really. better than, like, the last two movies. Are they doing Spider Man in Tennessee? Can I. <laughs> yeah, can I tell you? I don't even bother with Spider-Man movies anymore. In fact, yeah. the superhero movies in general, I kind of have to be in the right mood for. I yeah. mean, yeah, I, 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 they're expendable. Well, what's disappointed me is that much like the Expendables movie, they've become like really sort of fluffy garbage, almost. I mean, really pretty fluffy garbage. Right. But a lot of the, I mean, all the all the angst and conflict that's present in comic books is it makes for a great story. So. Moving that over to the big screen should be like sort of a no-brainer. But when they make it all about the blockbuster effects, I think then you lose yeah. everything that makes it intriguing to people who actually care about story. It's and like I'm a, li- a I'm a little tired of the third act being the world's coming to an end, and yeah. only <laughs> these people can save us. Yeah, like I've seen that twenty times already. So well, right, which yeah, happens in comics. Right. No, I don't think it is either. But it doesn't happen every single comic. Right. It's Sometimes they stretch in, it out. Well, and it's balanced in comics. That end of the world thing is balanced on, with the opposition of whatever their daily strife conflict is. So you have sort of this micro macro, like tiny conflict, huge conflict. And then when they make it all blockbustery, it's, you know, I was surprised because Josh Whedon, I usually love his stuff. But the second um, Avengers, I felt like yeah. was really not Wonderful. very... It was just a lot of pretty colors and loud noise. I mean, it I didn't even bother seeing it. I it was okay, seen, but it wasn't. I I'm kind of a fan of Tony Stark, and I, his character yeah. was really an asshole in this one. Mm-hmm. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> I didn't like well, Guardians of the Galaxy as much as everybody else did. I mean, it was all right. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Mad Max as much as everybody else did, but I think, I mean, it's it's a well-done movie. It's fine, but there's literally nothing going on. It's a car chase from one end to the other, and then they turn around and come back, and everybody... Spoilers! Well, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> I wasn't listening because movies sucked. You know what's awesome though? What? Video games. That's true. Hey, Jeremy, we've we've branched out to cover multimedia. Why is this not okay with you? 
Look, unless we're talking about anime, I'm not interested. Okay, let's talk about anime. Amen to that. Okay. Have, have you watched any good anime lately, Jim? Uh, I, well, no, but last night I watched the documentary about Studio Ghibli. And? And um, Hayao Miyazaki is... explain why the movies are so depressing? Uh, no, but Hayao Miyazaki is a person who is just a person. That's what I found out. He's not a whimsical you know, twinkly-eyed old man. He gets upset about nuclear power, and he gets... And iPads. ...bored at his job, and, you know, sometimes making movies... But he still comes a, in every day. ...is a slog. Yeah, absolutely. He has, you know, he, he, he does his part. He does his calisthenics, even though he doesn't know what the routine is. And, you know, he's got friends, and they have marketing problems, and they're trying to figure out, like, you know, are they making products that are good for adults now that adults are, you know, buying so much kid crap? Uh, you know, I mean, that was kind of what I took away from it was that, uh, you know, it, whatever you might think about the, the kind of place that produces really great movies, it's just made of regular kind of people and, uh, they have their own backstories. He used to be a, an activist for, um, well, he, he's an activist against nuclear energy even still, but he, uh, used to be in, um, uh, uh, unionizing, uh, you know, he was, he was a union, uh, um, for coal. Yeah, yeah exactly. For, well, for no, for, uh, for I, I think it was for it might have been for writers. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but you know it was it was pretty interesting. It kind of took took a while to Total get to that goal. point, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I watched that, uh, and that's probably the closest I got to anime in the last few weeks. So. It sounds like it made you even more bitter and cynical than you. <laughs> no, were. No, I'm not. No, the thing is, I, I mean, the myth. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, you go to, you go to you know, conventions and people are dressed up in big baggy Totoro outfits and like, oh my God, I'd love to visit Studio Ghibli. You know what? It's an animation studio. They have people working at desks and they're just right. regular people making, right. doing their work, uh, it's, you know, it's flying their trade. It's not the from Spirited Away where they're all actually Exactly, exactly. Awesome. And, you know, it showed them, you know, previewing. You can't take the cat bus there. No cat bus. Yeah, well, but they did have like a little cat mascot yeah. who, who walked around. They'd let him in and out and stuff like that. So, you know, it was just a, it's just a, you know, just a little place where they, where they do their work. And it's not that the people People were mad or sad or anything right. like that. They were just like regular people. Right. And might as well been the accounting firm. I mean, maybe not that much even, but I mean, they, they, they definitely have vision and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, I, I was just struck by the fact that they were normal people who had a, a talent for making, um, you, you know, the craft of, of movie making. Yeah. And yeah, and, uh, and, it was just about the people who were there and their relationships with one another. Uh, he had kind of a troubled relationship with a, with a previous mentor who did his own, you know, did his own studio, the one that they did, uh, Heidi. They did a, an old version of Heidi a long time ago, okay. and they didn't always get along, but sometimes he would come visit, and, you know, it, it, uh, it, it was just kind of interesting to see that... Uh, was it you know, Heidi or Pippi? Uh, Heidi is, is what it was, because, oh, you know, he had the goats in his, in his okay. apartment from... Or in his I love from, Pippi. Pippi was... Because I know he wanted to do Pippi Longstocking. Because yeah. she's great. And, and, you know, and they talked about his retirement, and, you know, he, yeah. he, he was torn. He kind of wanted to do more. But, yeah, I mean, even on the, the, the very opening statement of his retirement announcement was, I hope to be working for 10 more years. But, <laughs> you know, he... Didn't so he get it, sick? Wasn't that part of why of he retired? I think he's just been doing it his whole life, you know, and he it, it's a grind sometimes to to try and get to the end of a movie. It was kind of interesting. They talked about the movie making process for them and he uh you know, it's not like they have things all planned out. He's still doing the storyboards. He never writes scripts. He draws and paints storyboards and the production of the full production on the movie starts while he is still in the process of of creating I mean they don't know how the movie is going to go and he says that he even personally sometimes doesn't know. He just huh. let lets it lets it come the way it you know, seems natural to him. So, uh, so it's good. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's called the, um, 
uh, what is it, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, I think it is, is the name of it. And it's, <laughs> Sounds uh, like an H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It, well, it, no wonder you were sort of let things. down, Jeremy, Jeremy, with a title like that. And then you're like, wait, this is normal people. Where are the dreams? Yeah. Where's the madness? <laughs> That's what you're really it, it was a, it was a, you know, you bring that up and you joke about it, but I kind of had wondered, like, wow, how did they pick the title for it? But, uh, you know, they intercut it with, uh, you know, little scenes from some of the movies. And as he's talking about, you know, looking at a, at a normal cityscape, you know, his home, his town where they, where they, where they work there and says, you know, what if you imagine like jumping from this roof to that roof and look at that building over there with the ivy on it. And, you know, doesn't it, isn't it kind of neat to think that with animation, you could have something mundane turn into something really adventurous and, and really mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, so it, it was nice to hear kind of what he had to say about those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, that's my, that's my anime moment for this week. So Woo-hoo. should we get back to games? Probably. Let's do it. Go ahead, Sage. What you been up to? Um, okay. So, <laughs> so I finally played Grand Theft Auto five, which oh. I, I know is not new or anything. I've, Welcome I've to 2013. Away. Yeah, yeah, you did, Dick. But I, well, I'll tell you why. I've stayed away from the Grand Theft Auto series for a long time. I played the first couple. Um, I have always found the driving really difficult. Like the first mission, I had already crashed my car I'd 50 times. It was a smoking wreck when I got it back to the shop. And they're like, great, we repoed these cars. And now they're going to, it's like, nobody wants this piece of gra- like garbage now. But um, but that's not why I stopped playing them. I stopped playing them because I it brings out too much of the side of me that is the bad dog. I don't like the... I, it, it really... I mean, that whole game is about the fact that you can shoot someone and you can run someone over and you can then the cops come and that's fun because you get to run from the cops. And I have mixed feelings about games that make that so prominent, but I do like their sense of humor and I do like that they do keep it lighthearted um and they create a arena where it's not it's not like encouraging kids to go do this in real life because it's obviously very fantastical and not like the real world um but it, it doesn't start kids shouldn't be even be playing it to begin with yeah I, yeah i mean but they're gonna so you know move yeah. point a little bit but i mean it definitely brings that out i mean like i you know 20 30 minutes in i end up with a shotgun and this sassy lady was walking down the street and she got all snarky with me and i was like i'm gonna test out my shotgun on this bitch and i shot her and that's not oh, a nice God. thing to do i know i know but it brings that out in me so that's why i tend not to play very much but it's it's a game that encourages you to like break into people's cars and steal their cars and sort of be a little bit violent aggressive and what i was gonna say is i think that GTA 5 does it a little less, actually, because there is so much more going on with the plot line and these different characters and their their stories and what it means to them to be going through all this. And I felt I felt more connection in this one than the ones that I have been. Ex- I mean, I have I've witnessed play get play time through of all the other ones. I found this one a little more compelling on a, on a plot level. Except for Trevor. I was going to say, so well, do you identify with Trevor? No, or? it's not. No, no, it's not that uh, the oh. identifying with him. It's the it's that his he's they're they're very well rounded character. He's a douchebag. Don't get me wrong, but they're very well rounded characters sure. as characters. Right. And so I liked that this one put a lot more into I felt like the characters and giving them you know sort of more freedom to I I, I want to be like this and do these kind of missions and I want to and it just it felt a little more open ended and it felt a little more like there was something going on besides just the rampant violence which. Like I was saying, I think on the one hand it brings it out in some people, but on the other hand, maybe that's a good thing because maybe it keeps people like if I come home and I get to shoot people in video games, then I'm not so aggro when I go out in the real world, um, which, which is true. I mean, I do think video games can be very good for that. So I think that's been disproven. 
Uh, I don't think so, because actually, Robert, weren't Catharsis we... Catharsis theory. No, 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 but we... There was a whole thing uh, one of the years that we were at E3 about how those Japanese uh, rape fantasy games, they actually give them to sexually deviant people in Japan as their way of of acting that out so that they don't go do it in real life, and they I found their positive. That. How'd I miss that? They just hand that stuff out on street corners there. They're just like... <laughs> there you go. Rape games for everyone. Yeah. Um, but no, and the online... Yeah, and all this is getting cut. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm moving on. So, no, no not all Radio of it. So, edit. the online component is also really, really great, I think. I like how, um, it's, it's a little less serious and, and consequential than Daisy. Um, and it's, and it's obviously less buggy because Daisy's still in alpha. So I liked that you had this open world where you have all these different areas you can sort of invest yourself into. And then you have all these random people and the weirdest stuff happens. And it's like this really interesting, colorful arena of human beings just doing the most random, strange things. Like I almost want to just sit for an hour on top of a building and just watch everybody doing the weird shit that they're doing all over the city. So, um, yeah, I, I being, I think that's sort of to their credit being someone who's not a big gta fan i i actually find this one enjoyable um and i'm really enjoying playing it so i i good good job i think it's, it's a, a good one. addition it's yeah good but can you get like a refund from the hookers the old-fashioned <laughs> baseball bat way i have not tried that yet blue actually surprisingly um <laughs> well, where are your I'll- morals in Tennessee, it's just shotgunning old, la- old boisterous ladies is okay, but hooker, no. Mm-mm. Okay, you don't understand. I had been run down by these gangsters for like twenty minutes. I was tired. And I've been there. Like, I've been there. And sometimes you just need to pump a double action shotgun into some random passerby. I, I know. I know what you're talking about. It's the middle of the night. She had it coming. Yep. <laughs> oh God. Well, if we're gonna play. Stage goes ape shit. Funny. <laughs> only, only in video games, never in real life. And Postal Two coming up next. Nice. <laughs> um, I started playing some of the Borderlands DLC. If people don't notice, know this, and I'm, maybe it's ended at this point. So if it has, forgive me. But uh, Humble had a whole Borderlands Two plus every dang DLC they've ever come out with. One. Did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah, that ended like a month ago. Oh no! Did it? Yeah. Well, I lose track of time. Good while it lasted. But no, but yeah, it was really nice to finally get, because I had refrained from buying them because of the, the, you know, I don't like paying for a bunch of DLC, but it was such a good price when it was humble that I was like, oh, okay, great. And I, it's been really in- interesting being able to see all this DLC that I didn't have before. So then that's been pretty good. Did you guys ever play a game called Warframe? Yeah, a little bit. It's on free, PlayStation 4. Free to play. Yep, yeah, it is yeah. free to play. It's a free to play MMO. I I really am liking it. I really like the dynamics of the game. Um, I and they've they've upgraded a lot. Jeremy, I don't know the last time you played it, but they've it's been upgraded a lot since it originally came out. Way yeah, back. I know they've been doing a lot of patches. They in fact they uh, when Destiny had its little uh, PR meltdown just recently, I think they released a bunch of free emotes. Was it Warframe that did that? Or am I thinking of the wrong game? I think you're thinking the wrong game. I don't think that was that. Well, anyway, I know that they're doing a lot of continued support. As Robert says, it's a free-to-play game, so they've Mm -hmm. been kind of banking on the fact that if they add more stuff, people will play. It's true. (laughs) Well, maybe it's a different game, but whatever. It's fine. It's good. It's great. (laughs) Um, Trying to think what else. Mm, I can't recall. I I, I played a bunch of stuff to test that mouse out, but that's all I can think about now is the mouse. The mouse. Um, the mouse, the bloody mouse. 
I, I love that their company name is Bloody, by the way. Or is it A4Tech? Well, no, because it was A4Tech, but then in 2012, they sort of rebranded for their hardware as Bloody because they wanted to go with the whole logo handprint Bloody thing. Right. I, I guess because they thought that would be more memorable probably than A4Tech. Because I still get emails from A4Tech. Right. So. No, I, it, as, the, as far as I can... confusion. Be, right. But no, as of 2012, they became... Well, now they're one of those companies that's sort of both. You call them either and they go, yes. So yes, you rang. You rang, bloody what? A four, yes. Pip pip, what what? Um, no, they're bloody not. Good show, chap. Which is funny. Uh, yep. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember what else I've been playing. So we'll call that good for now. You want to pass the torch to? Dishonored. But I. I mean, we've already talked about Dishonored before. But I just. I love how replayable that game is. That's the other one. I oh. played a lot of Dishonored recently because I hadn't touched it since 2013. I think and. Sage bringing the 2013 back again. <laughs> I know, right? So I like sat back down to play it, and I had forgotten just how addicting that game. It's one of the few games that I saw at E3 and thought it was just as good when I actually got it, and then thought it was just as good when I went to play it again. It has had more sort of duration than a lot of other games I've played in this decade. Cool. So I think it succeeds very well there. I know I'm super old school this time. Nothing exciting. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, Jeremy, what have you been playing? All right, so I have a little bit of a little bit of a sentimental one. Um, it's new, brand new, and it may be the last of its kind. Uh, I've been playing Oh Dear, the alpha version on oh. PlayStation Mobile. Yeah, isn't that like fifty cents? It's forty. Yep, forty nine cents. Uh, it's the lowest possible price that that Sony <laughs> will allow you to charge on PlayStation oh, dear. Mobile. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> So, Oh Dear is, uh, you guys might remember on one of the previous shows, I talked about a game called Gun House that uh, really was a pretty unique game. Oh Dear is from the same studio, Necrosoft, and it is very likely the very last game that will be released on PlayStation Mobile. Uh, That platform is ending um, in stages. It's actually this month, July 15th, so maybe by the time you're listening to this, uh, the storefront on PlayStation Mobile will be gone. Apparently, you'll still be able to buy games in browser, although as somebody who has purchased a lot of PlayStation mobile games, I'm not sure where the browser interface can be found. But um, the platform... Great going, Sony. Yeah, I know. I'm not really sure. I have to look around for that. Uh, but uh, game design. Yeah, but and then you have until when is September, September to download September before it disappears forever. That's right, including re-downloading stuff. So if oh, you sorry. like I, yeah, if you if you like I have the uh, PlayStation Mobile uh, Vita. Um, you know, get, like get a memory card or something and just load it up with stuff because once that closes down, you won't be able to re-download it or anything. So uh, be aware. So uh, Oh Dear from Necrosoft is a, mm, let, let's say it's like an OutRun style racing game. So it's sort of a pseudo 3D, you know, the road is coming at you, the buildings are kind of passing on, you know, all the scenery passes by on both sides, kind of vaguely 3D sort of. Um, and uh, you race through checkpoints. So you have a fuel gauge down one side, which it's basically a timer. It doesn't matter how fast or slow you I kind of figured that out. I was testing it out. But the time, timer, the fuel gauge always drops down. So the goal is you need to go fast, right? You need to get through the, the, the turns and, and get to the end. And if you, if you run into things, if you scrape the sides, it slows you down and makes it less likely that you will uh, get to the next checkpoint. Uh, if you hit the next checkpoint, of course, it refills your fuel gauge and away you go. So the, the thing that they do in this that changes it up a little bit is they load the course with deer, so little uh, 2D sprites of deer, and they're usually in very convenient rows so that you can, if you so choose, mow down all of the deer or 
choose to avoid them. Uh, the game is uh, set so that depending on which you choose, and you kind of, I haven't played it well enough to do mindfully one or the other of those things. I'm always somewhere in the middle. I always accidentally hit a bunch of deer, accidentally miss a bunch of deer, and so, so I end up like, like uh, Ikaruga. Yeah, yeah, right. So just depending on the color of my car. Um, but the the game changes. So it's got a soundtrack and kind of a look to it. And and, and actually, inter- interesting thing here. The soundtrack is done by uh, someone named Motohiro Kawashima, who was the composer on Streets of Rage 3. Uh, yeah, and I guess they just found him on Twitter, apparently, and they liked his style and said, hey, will you do this? And he did. And as you kill more deer, the... Oh, the soundtrack of the game changes and gets a little more like dark sounding, like the synth gets kind of, you know, mean and uh, the, the, the skyline and the, you know, the, the visuals of, of the game kind of get a little dark and, and evil. Uh, or if you avoid deer, it gets, uh, you know, nice and, you know, saccharine and sort of happy and, and upbeat. And uh, you have about five or six stages to go through. So there's sort of a desert stage and a, you know, forest stage and things like that. And the goal is to get to Grandma's house. And it's only five or six stages. And it is very, um, pretty straightforward. I mean, it's a 50 cents, you know, game. And you can pretty well get to the end of it, you know, in a couple of sittings once you figure it out. The, the, the main mechanic of the game is, is drifting. So if you tap the brake and steer while you're doing that, your, your, your car, which is basically like a, like a station wagon. It's like a Chevy Caprice or something like that, you know, like one of the old <laughs> faux wood-sided station wagons. Um, but the, the best way, if you just steer left or right, you're never going to hit the turns. You're going to grind up one side or the other. So you really have to figure out how to drift. And as your car is turned sideways and the tires are squealing and smoke is coming off the tires, you actually have a lot more control to kind of tilt left or, or you know, steer left or right with the stick and, and get deer. So, so it's like uh, Ridge Racer handling. Uh, yeah, it, it's very drifty. It, it is definitely very drifty. And so you're going to do a lot of switching a lot of left right sort of uh you know drifting one side drifting the other side and and really the goal is to get the deer and i happen to notice it it tallies up the deer for you and i noticed that by the end of the course by the time you get to grandma's house which is kind of dark there's like spooky forest in the background and there's someone in the window kind of a sprite waving back and forth like you know and and it's like it plays this really like uh off key you know grandma's house kind of thing uh there are there are 666 deer I noticed. Nice. Uh, so I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know what they're going for with this, but they they have said, and, and like I said, the game is listed as an alpha. So it is, uh, you know, basically they're doing it to kind of test the waters a little bit and see what kind of people are, are going to be interested in. Maybe not what kind of people are going to be interested. Let me rephrase that. Um, they want to see what kind of interest there is in, <laughs> in this sort of game. Now, see, uh, you were giving platforms. me a hard time about GTA, but that's basically the same thing with deer. There's deer, and you can choose to run them over or not. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it's you like can't race fault. Driving. Yeah, back, yeah. Back I mean, in the arcade. Okay, run over the cow. Run over the cow. I mean, I have to tell you, having the option to do those things, Sage, doesn't mean that it necessarily is a bad game. You you can choose not to do those things just as easily. And and actually, this game pretty well embodies that. Funny you should mention though because before the game came out there was a little bit of a controversy that this game was like a deer mutilating game and <laughs> uh, it actually they ran into some difficulty getting it published but Is that is it not cutesy have- enough looking when they die? Is it too graphically realistic? It's not realistic at all I mean it looks like early Doom style you know like the, the deer comes apart in half and maybe there's a head <laughs> here and there and there's like little red splotches and things that come oh, out. But, but you're going so fast though that it's just I mean, it just looks like color. Brrr. I mean, it's just the deer parts coming at you, and you can't even oh, you can't even really tell. Um, 
So they they are uh, looking down the road at eventually releasing a more complete version on other platforms. Really, anything with a controller is what is what they've said there at, at Microsoft. Um, but it's the last, you know, probably the last money I'll be spending on PlayStation Mobile. Um, it, uh, you know, I've got I've had a pretty good collection, a good a good run of it. A lot of those games we've talked about on this show in the past, games like uh, Rimmed Capsule we talked about, or uh, the mobile version of. Um, Tokyo uh, Jungle. Tokyo Jungle, yep, exactly. Uh, so lots of good stuff on that platform. If you can find this mythical web interface, uh, take a look through it. I mean, you can still load things on the Vita. I think that's probably the only platform right now that PlayStation Mobile will continue to work on. But uh, I, I have always appreciated the fact that they were giving, you know, between this and the PS Minis, which I, I think is still around. I don't think anybody... Yeah, they, no, they haven't, they're still around. I, I yeah, they, I don't, I don't think those yesterday. Yeah, I don't think anybody's releasing any new ones, but they haven't axed the platform yet. So right. uh, I, I have appreciated the fact that like they, they got have, rid of playstation home arcade yeah yeah i saw you complaining about that that's yeah. right and uh I, you know I, I guess i didn't well it's sony so they don't really have a good uh, the best pr team but i didn't even receive notice about that i yeah, know this... home went down but they had the home arcade which some of the, had some of the old uh television games yeah, it's it's funny because I think the announcement for this, when I looked on Wikipedia, I think it references something in the PlayStation forums. Uh, I mean, word has gotten around. I think most people who know about PlayStation Mobile are aware that it's, you know, any, anybody who knows or cares about it probably is in the loop at least somewhat, but um, I, I, probably for the, the greater majority of that, that large uh, body of Vita gamers out there, which obviously it's not that many, um, they, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I bought another one this week. I, uh, Another one? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking slim. maybe I need to if, if I need mine to last until something like uh, Bloodstained, uh, you, you know the the Igarashi Kickstarter because that's going to be a few years before it comes out too. And if I need, they're not going to be selling Vitas by then. I mean, you're not going to be able to find a Vita yeah. in stores. I'm thinking I might need to buy one just to keep it in the box so I'm ready for it. But uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so that's too, very venison. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, and I'll just say this about the Vita: there are still, uh, even though it did not make a blip on the. Uh, in, in Sony's E3 presentation, uh, I understand that it had a pretty decent showing on the floor, and there are still yeah. quite a number of yeah. games that are en route for the platform. And uh, I, I think some of the comments by Andrew House that the that the system is a legacy platform, I think those have been sort of misconstrued wow. and misinterpreted a little bit. Um, I, I don't. I think that means that they I, you can't throw good money after bad, and I, I don't think they're going to be releasing any major. Uh, you know, what does that mean, Jeremy? What throwing good money after bad? Yeah, yeah. Well, the expression to throw good money after bad is that. Have you? Have you? Ever, let me throw another expression at you. Have you ever heard of kill your babies? What the no. what? Yeah. So okay, can I just point out that for all the flack I got for shooting one NPC in a video game like five minutes ago, Jeremy so far has been all about mutilating deer, killing your own children. I mean, come on. Oh, God. You enjoyed shooting that woman, though, didn't you? No, oh, it's mediocre. So um, anyway, throwing throwing good money after bad means that if something is not is not profitable for you, if it's not a, a you know if it's not financially successful, pumping more money into it, building new AAA games for the PlayStation Vita is not going to be a good business strategy. But that's for Microsoft's right. mo. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's true. And you know, right. honestly, right. throwing throwing good money after bad is not a is not a good business strategy. So but the. They- the but they were utilizing it for other things. Like, I saw a whole part of the Oculus setup was utilizing the Vita for something they were doing. So, oh, sure, I mean, sure. Maybe it'll just become sort of a different device instead They're of... They're using it as a power bank. 
No, they were using it for games. <laughs> well, and it, and it has been. I mean, for better or worse, it is now a sort of mid-tier indie it's a cult, publishing. It's a cult handheld. Right. It's like the yeah, Dreamcast and, handhelds, basically. They are keeping it's it alive the with... Fans. It's got the dedicated, you know, the de- developers out there that still making true, games right? for it. But That's it's just, it, it's a cult classic. Right. And and I think it gets painted a little bit as a as a failure, or I mean I mean even the 3ds does not have a lot of juice left in it at this point. Um, so well, mm, I mean they're they're doing NX next, next year unifying platforms. There there's n- blue. I'm going to tell you there is not going to be another 3ds. There's not going to be another DS. Um, that yeah. Game Boy? We're, we're getting the Game Boy back. <laughs> it's going to be what, whatever the NX is is what we're going to have, and it's going to be a unified console handheld kind of. I mean they they've already said that they've consolidated their uh, console and their handheld teams. Maybe, maybe not necessarily that they're going to consolidate the hardware necessarily, but the people who work on those platforms have been combined. Which into is kind of what the so. Wii U should have been all along. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, think about this. All of the, the work that they're doing on... Um, I mean, they're not releasing anything on... Uh, they're, they're releasing DS titles now on the Wii U. Yeah. So... Uh, all, all of their stuff going forward is probably also going to be based on Wii U architecture. So it's uh, it, it's going to be a different world here in the next few years. I, I don't think that we're going to have a lot of uh, you know dedicated Vitas or DSs. It's going to be whatever the NX is, basically. And eventually we'll have virtual reality, and then all the consoles will be a thing in the past. That's true. You Actually, what you can do is in your in your Morpheus headset or in your Oculus, you can actually just have a DS simulator right there. So. Hello, Dick. There you go. Anyhow, so, oh, oh dear, and uh, PlayStation Vita, I guess, are, are probably the games that I'm bringing to the table this week. Neat. Keen and cool. Blue? Well, you know, I have been playing a little game for the Wii U. Funny that we were talking about it, actually. Uh, when I was thinking about getting a Wii U, there were two games that I really wanted to get the system for. The first was Bayonetta 2, which... You know, justified the purchase of the system in the first 15 minutes, if I recall correctly. (laughs) Uh, And the second was Splatoon. And Splatoon, for those of you who haven't heard about it or just have ignored it, is a four-on-four team third-person shooter deathmatch style. Except uh, this time around, instead of, you know, just tagging enemies and teabagging people the goal is to <laughs> that sounds like a whole game style just right there tag and teabag yeah <laughs> TNT. The, uh, TNT. <laughs> what game match are we playing tonight guys tnt hell yeah uh, the goal is to uh cover the floors not the walls yeah. but the floors uh with your team's color ink because you are controlling inklings, which are squids or kids or something to that effect. <laughs> right. That's the most confusing part of the game is, what the fuck are they? Yeah. Kids oh, that can turn into squids. Like and when they turn into squids, they can swim in ink, but only ink of their same color. But they yeah. can't be fully developed thing when they're first formed because they're inklings. Get it? Yeah, but they're also, I mean, I, I try not to think too deeply about Splatoon because... <laughs> It's for the best. It's, it, it's it really is, and maybe I don't need to go into much detail about it. But there's there's a lot of stuff about the game that kind of kind of makes me feel a little oogie. Describe, Oogie-y. Jeremy. Yeah, you, well, must, I mean, you must tell us now. Yeah. I mean, th- first of all, put some uh, put some bad money out there. All right, <laughs> let, let's let's put some bad money out there. Splatoon is basically a giant bukkake party. Oh, <laughs> wow. Jeremy! All eight year olds stop listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> 
Uh, and, you know, they're... And I wasn't the one who said Bukaki this time. I... <laughs> Uh, the, the, um, the anthropomorphic thing, like, are they're they're sort of like pre-teenager kind of, I don't know. Androgynous boy and girl. Yeah, and they're squids, so there's the tentacles thing, like, they all have tentacles, and, you know, the characters are kind of sexy a little bit, but not, Jeremy, not all tentacles are porn, you know. Sometimes a tentacle is just a tentacle. Well, to me, all tentacles are porn. (laughs) Uh, no, but uh, Have you ever had a I, taco I don't know. Ball? Yes, right in your <laughs> Those are the best balls you can eat. Yes. So and, anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. To, I didn't mean to, to derail you there. But uh, yeah, there there are some, some kind of weird elements to the Splatoon. undertone. Yeah. So you think you think Splatoon is secretly sexy? Is is what you're saying? Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, secretly oh. or or overtly. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, Have so, you talked to Anita about? Uh, not yet, but it's not on yet. my schedule. Okay. I think. <laughs> Next do your, do your kids play this game, Jeremy? I mean, it's sort of equal opportunity, right? I mean, the, the boys and the girls can splat things, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you do let your children play, play, is what you're saying? Well, it's family know. friendly. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's a Nintendo game. It's, you know, it's yes, a Nintendo Yes, what are you trying game. to say? Are you trying to say this is some kind of sexy game? I'm trying to say that you said it's a sexy game, and you're the only one here with kids, and you I don't let know what kids play about. this game. Uh-huh. Carry on, Blue. <laughs> So, anyways, <laughs> so basically, you know, you have two main main gameplay modes, if you will. You have the single player, which is stage based, and they have like a little hidden scroll in each stage that uh, will show you a little bit of uh, a little bit of artwork, and um, will divulge some of the details about the world the Inklings and the Octarians, their mortal enemy, uh, live in. But this is one game that you know. I, I'm not really big on online multiplayer team deathmatch style games, but Splatoon has you know made me uh, ch- uh, change my stance on that because the single player is not necessarily the most fulfilling experience yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's what about uh, five or six hours, depending on how uh, deep you go with it, as far as uh, trying to find the hidden items in each stage and whatnot. I was going in thinking, you know, uh, maybe I'll play the online a little bit. Maybe I'll play it with some friends, which I did. Uh, (laughs) uh, But, you know, I I thought I'd be spending more time with the single player, and it has been the exact opposite. I mean, I've, you know, I'm only maybe three quarters of the way through. Somewhere around that neck of the woods, I've just I've spent most of my time online, and the game was controversial because the online does not have voice chat, and I think that is actually the thing that has allowed me to just sit down and enjoy Splatoon is because I'm not having to deal with you know, OMG, f this, f the, you know, the typical uh, Xbox Live uh, troll garbage that you have to deal with. Of course, I did get a uh, a salty message from somebody that I uh, sniped a couple of times in one game. I, I believe it was three times in one game. <laughs> Robert, what have you been playing? So if I were to rewrite uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's My Favorite Things, Jeremy, <laughs> you, you know that showstopper from Sound of Music. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll belt it for you right now. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> you heard enough. Damn, that was quick. So, so I'd make a few changes. Cream-colored ponies and crisp apple strudels. That would probably be something like onyx-haired lollies and big bowls of ramen. <laughs> but Damn, one of the things that I would... Tr- about the wazoo tonight. <laughs> right. One of the things I'd try to fit in there uh, is to try to rhyme particle-heavy explosions, anthrop 
anthropomorphic animals and Rube Goldberg devices into the wow. song somehow. So the, those things kind of uh, pretty much encapsulate the first game I'm going to be talking about, and actually a bit of my second. Uh, but the first game is called Gunpowder. So Rogue R- Rocket Games, they're a two-man indie studio from San Francisco. They've crafted a, a puzzler. It's really got something special, and it plays into my ever-so-slight pyro tendencies there uh every level they they task players with blowing open this green safe that's filled with money and why you ask not so you can uh get rich and gain corporate control no instead the lean the lead character his name's uh incendio he can share the wealth robin hood style with with the 99 percent and piss off the one percent he's represented by a wolf uh robber baron who has a vague resemblance to the Disney interpretation of the Sheriff of Nottingham. No mm. lines around. Uh, so it's really kind of cool. That's told in a comic book style cutscene at the beginning of the game. Uh, each level, you, you have a fixed amount of gunpowder, and from there you create trails that combust once they come into contact with flames, and they offer that little sizzle there, and they have a little flash of light, so those, that's really intriguing. Uh, after a few introductory levels, you earn the right to place these exploding powder kegs. They burst outward. Uh, they can take down these piggy banks, which represent kind of a optional goal for each level. So you can, you know, take uh, out three of those. What's interesting and what's unlike most puzzlers is that you have to approach the levels backwards. So you set everything up and then you kind of figure out the, you're figuring out the proper system, the way things blow up. You use things like cannons to take out walls. Uh, You slow down a reaction to wait for a a raft carrying a a keg. And and later there's these, uh, you send mine carts looping through levels. And what's cool about the game is it almost feels like mousetrap where everything's set up and then you kind of just pull you know, put that last bit of gunpowder on the ground, watch it play out. Um, every stage feels distinctive and really forces you to pay attention. Uh, in fact, it's easy to come up with a strategy. So, so in your head, you're, you're cooking up a, a system for the level, but then it doesn't work because you overlook some small element. Like you, you, you need to fork a trail and you forgot to fork it and you forgot to connect something. So um, really having a lot of fun with gunpowder. Expect a review later this week. Um, so would you say trial and error, a little bit, bit what's really cool is there is a button on there that shows like the explosion radius for everything and so i wouldn't say it's so much trial and error is it's really kind of critical thinking you really have to you you have a certain number a certain amount of powder and a certain number of powder kegs and you really have to figure out okay where do i put them early on they put an x on the ground they kind of tell you where it should go tell you graph and then by that you learn what is the size of the exploding radius how fast does powder burn those type of things. And the, the levels do a real good job of kind of walking you th- through the process without being overly redundant or saying, oh my God, I've done this, you know, 50 times already. Would so, you say that combustion makes you feel good? Oh, Jeremy, I love your puns. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so speaking of destruction, I've been playing a Xbox One exclusive, Scream Ride. It's a game I originally was slightly dismissive of um, between Major Nelson's endorsement. And I don't know why. I used to kind of like the guy, but now he just... I don't know, he rubs me. You liked him? Really? Why? No, I'm just kidding. No, I just... Is he a little too corporate tooly for you? Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe he is. I just got the feeling like he used to kind of play the games, and now he just phones it in. 
and maybe mm. that's what I, I, fake gamer guy. Yeah, so that's worse. <laughs> in the videos, there they made the game look like this next gen coaster riding sim with a little bit of Angry Birds, and I just wasn't too impressed. But uh, I spent some time with the demo, and I liked the demo enough to to make a purchase. Right now, it's on sale for twenty dollars. And between those two things, it really changed my mind. So the game is split into three different activities. Coaster riding is probably the weakest of the trio, uh, but still, it's kind of fun. Basically, you have to keep the car on the track. Uh, use the analog stick to shift your weight around and you what you're doing is trying to ride on two wheels to earn a bonus and periodically there are blue sections of the track those appear and you have to press the x button just at the um, just at the end of the section much like a music rhythm game and doing so before it's too late it earns boost and then you use the boost of course to speed up the coaster and earn additional points all these different points feed into a a star system and there's kind of a myriad of details that, that all play into your overall score and the levels kind of reward players for not only success but really interesting bonuses like you try to deplete a full uh, full boost bar without wiping out uh, which can be difficult um, the next the second activity is park destruction and there you control let's see the power you control the angle and trajectory of a sphere uh, filled with riders you're attempting to launch the orb into different buildings and, and destroy the park like, like coaster riding there's a ton of optional goals there everything from taking down these giant TV screens, launching through hoops, you hit explosives. And what's fun about the sense of destruction, you know, buildings kind of crumble and they fall apart. And they do that, you know, fairly slowly. And and it's somewhat, I don't know, it's that middle line between organic and just kind of playful, where if you hit the base, it it slowly crumbles right before your eyes. And then you can launch your next sphere while things are still splintering, uh, which is kind of cool. You don't have to watch the destruction just all play out. Uh, The last bit is engineering, and that's where players, they they are able to build their own coasters. They use uh, track pieces unlocked during the other stages. And at first, Scream Ride, it it starts off really gently. It asks you to kind of finish a coaster. You just slap in two pieces. Pieces. And then gradually it, it pushes you along. You had loops, and before uh, before long, you're given carte blanche. And then you, your success is measured by different variables like speed, g-force, and the like. And so you have to use um, certain track pieces to to get up to a certain height. You know, maintain momentum and speed so that your roller coaster doesn't just get stuck on the track somewhere. Which is kind of cool. And what's interesting. Overall, as it scream right, it never takes itself too seriously. Uh, one of the engineering levels, it asks you to make this incomplete track, and so you send the the riders just flying. They're screaming as they're going through the air. The car, you know, is hurtling towards a building, just knocks it down. Uh, and, and that's yeah, it's, it's really kind of cool. The the um, it's represented the game as a whole. Uh, it just has this play thing like appeal to it. Uh, reminds me of it was a kid when I build like Hot Wheel tracks and send you know imaginary drivers crashing into. Like cardboard boxes and things. Uh, the other, the other thing that it does really smart is that there's always the ability to reset a uh, single downward press of the D-pad. Just resets things, never a few seconds away. So uh, obsessive compulsives like me can just tweak something to get a run that's just right. Mm. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, check it out. There is a demo on uh, Xbox Live. Check it out. See if it's to your liking. Kind of simple, but the the parts kind of play uh, play together well. Yeah, I think I might. I think I might try that out and see what it's like. Yeah, the the demo for the engineering. They they push you along a little a little farther than you should be, but you you kind of get a taste. Um, you should probably start off a little bit of some of the easier levels there so the last game i'll be talking about uh just review today uh arno sarge uh the arno sarge I, I, I plus saw the gym the gym outfit 
in the uh, review <laughs> yes. teaser. Yeah. Very nice work, my friend. Very yes. nice work. So uh, this one is the plus uh, iteration, Ode to a Newborn Star. Now, one thing I'm going to be doing is being uh, somewhat ambiguous about the game, um, as I was in the review, because I think the virtue is in the experience, and I really yeah. hate when people spoil uh, role-playing games there. Oh, now, yeah. now the, the JRPG, I think, gets a lot of flack. Um, some possibly deserve, but uh, definitely not all deserve. Some of the issues with the genre, the storyline, which can be a little bit tropey, characterization uh, you know, has its issues, and things like foreshadowing are sometimes handled um, inelegantly. Now, there are moments in o- uh, Ode there that are inelegant. Uh, part of the problem stems from kind of the dense mythos um, which is carried over from um, the, the previous title, which is a VN, which did not receive a stateside localization. Uh, fortunately, the game does offer an in-game encyclopedia. And so there are words that are highlighted. And if you uh, bring up those, you get a really detailed like two-screen explanation. The interface is something that I would like to see in every single role-playing game, which you can do and examine, you can examine the text log. And so just in case you, um, you accidentally hit the button and bypass a piece of dialogue, which, believe me, I, I've backtracked or to the last save point just because I've missed something, um, because I didn't want to miss an important piece of dialogue. So you can always kind of see what you've missed. You can, you know, review different things. And for a game that's as dense as this, that is vital. But I'd, I'd love to see that, as I mentioned, in every role-playing game. What I did really enjoy about the game is the use of metaphor. Yes, of course, there's the purification ritual. Uh, if you guys haven't looked up some of the earlier games in the series, Blue I, I tweeted to you a few weeks ago some of the innuendo um, during a uh, purification ritual, and that is where the male <laughs> inserts the crystal into the female. Uh, here, the, the <laughs> and, and those are quite funny. Here, the ladies they Put don special, yeah, swimsuit-like attire, and you can install crystals into five different uh, areas uh, once you, of course, spend <laughs> enough time together. But that questionable. Out of the, okay, but that out of the way. The, the way relationships are handled is really quite beautiful. Um, the conversational tone changes, and you really get a sense of progression, a relational progression here. Uh, beyond that, of course, there, there's an obligatory uh, appreciation for environmentalism in the game, which I always kind of appreciate um, there. And then there's character motivation. Um, you know how they say the best villains are the ones that you identify or, or perhaps sympathize with? Well, well that sure. happens here. Um, and Unborn Stars cast, they're painted in shades of gray rather than kind of the same um, old black and white. Now, I always, um, I, I really like combat, and I, re- I always like when a game offers some new interpretation of turn-based combat, and that's what happens here. Combat doesn't happen all that often, which is kind of a good thing. It, it makes it... It makes it exciting uh, when an encounter happens. You know, it doesn't over over utilize that and becoming tedious. And so, one of the things is that combat carries a sense of tension and works with the theme of music uh, very well. So, there's waves of enemies, and they are kind of projected or, or shown much like sheet music. And so, they flow like sheet music there. Uh, and if you've ever wanted more from a JRPG, then I'd say give the title a, a try. Either the original on PS3 or the recently released Vita version. Uh, which offers a solid amount of extra content. So I uh, really enjoyed my playthrough of that. And it really kind of 
offered enough change to the to the format to the tenants of the uh, JRPG to satisfy me. So beyond that, I've been playing a little um, Batman Arkham Knight on PS4. Um, yeah, which is probably offers Batman. one of the one of the best looking open world cities. Not the busiest. It doesn't have GTA quality. You know, uh, NPCs walking around, but just it's absolutely gorgeous uh, version of Gotham. So I originally bought it on the PC, but you know how that's <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So you know how that. I'm really kind of pissed at. Warner Brothers. Yeah, they, they had me with uh, Shadow of Mordor, which I got on PC. That was great. And then I went to Mortal Kombat X, and their moving between menu options took about five seconds, and I never got past the, <laughs> the main menu. Uh, I think they finally patched that a little bit, but it took a long time. And then uh, Arkham Knight just took a complete dump for me with the frame rate that dropped into the lower, low teens. Low, low teens. <laughs> Mm. And uh, but on PS4 runs marvelously and looks looks absolutely beautiful. And, and that uh, is why console and, games are better than PC. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, Bat, the Batmobile is really fun to fuck around with. You can hold really because I've heard mixed things about the Batmobile. I, I hear people really going off about well, the Batmobile. Like, yeah. I, I like it because what it brings to the game, but they might overuse it too much. And because it's kind of simple, you just hold a button down and then it becomes, it feels like, what was that game? Cyber Sled by Namco. It basically takes the physics from, from an old, you know, um, game where you have the Batmobile roving around like a tank. Um, there. Oh, kind of, kind of like a Mega Salt too. Yes, yeah, totally, um, totally like that. It just doesn't feel like a Batmobile. And then there's the whole issue where Batman says, you know, he's using non-lethal weapons, but he's kind of looks like he's killing everybody. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's always talking about how non-lethal, non-lethal. I'm not gonna kill anybody. No, know, really, but, for real. I'm just. But he's blowing I'm up people with missiles. Uh, and I guess I guess they they call them unmanned drones, but you know, somebody of course. Of course they're unmanned. Right? It's like, yeah, she's 18. (laughs) Even even though she looks a little bit younger, she's 18 in two days. She's really dropping into the low, low teens. (laughs) Right? Just like the frame rate. Just like the frame rate. I know. That was going to, yes, I knew. I was setting you up, Jeremy. There's the alley-oop of this yep. week's show. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I've been playing. Yeah, that's new new term, lolly-loop. Very good. Well, that's a good good showing all around, I think. So you guys want to hear from... Mr. Tired Media? Uh, yeah, sure they, do. They are here to talk about Undead Darlings. They're nice. fantastic. I gotta, I gotta say Darlings. Darlin. Darlin. Robert here. Today I'm being joined by Ryan Phillips and Nick Dorr, once known as the Printy Lord and the Butcher when they were working in marketing and localization at NIS America, but now they bravely ventured out on their own, forming Mr. Tired Media. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Now, before we get to your current project, uh, let's bring the audience up to speed. Uh, can you take us back to when you decided to leave NIS America? Oh, man. Let's see, it started in 2012 when we first started kind of concocting the idea for our game at a Sea Bakes, that we call it, Corner mm-hmm. Bakery. Sure. Sea Bakes. That's, um, where, that's where the magic happened. Yeah, Corner Bakery. Yeah. Delicious, Delicious, by the way. Magic. So yeah, we, we did it, and then 2013 was where we actually incorporated, I guess, uh, we 
shouldn't tell and I say that because we were there well into 2014. Mm -hmm. um, but um, we incorporated in Washington, and um, it was right then that we just decided, yep, that's it. So it had to be October of 2013. We basically decided about eight months before I left NISA, and mm -hmm. it was right about six months before we left NISA. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why Washington? Washington. So lower cost of living. Yeah. More okay. uh, burgeoning indie developer scene. Okay. SAT word right there. Burgeoning. You, that's like the tenth time you use it lately. I love it. I, it's it's you know it, it has that grow growth. The bravado. That's a bravado. Yeah. <laughs> There's the other SAT word. <laughs> that's right, dude. <The> bravado. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, obviously, you two worked on a number of um, NIS America IPs that are you're probably uh, that, or at least our listeners are quite familiar with. Uh, now, let me ask each of you: What was the property you're most proud of having a hand in? Ooh, Nick, you go first. Most proud? God, um, I feel like I did um, a pretty good job with Guided Fate Paradox. I had a lot of fun working on that because it was a little more of a serious story, yeah. which I kind of like writing more mm -hmm. than comedy. I never wrote comedy before uh, uh, going to NIS America, so that one was um, kind of a break between a whole bunch of silly Moe games, mm -hmm. which are also awesome. And outside of games, I really, really enjoyed working on the Love Live anime uh, just season one. Ryan? For me... It would have to be a little bit more mainstream of a, like uh, NISA titles, but I really like working on Danganronpa. I uh, just overall really enjoyed it, and I remember I heard some rumblings that it was possible, or that you know it was going to be hitting Vita uh, way back, um, way before um, a lot of the Idea Factory International folks left. Mm -hmm. um, and and I was like, okay, cool, that sounds interesting. But until I actually started playing it and learning about the characters and, and getting vested with some waifus, I decided <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, that was, you know, I really was into that title. Cool. Before the iffy people left. That's right, yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, now uh, surely working for the American arm of a Japanese organization could be rewarding, but, but also uh, probably quite difficult at times. What was one of the largest problems that uh, each of you faced there? No, you first. I gotta think about it. There's, Four? there's so many to choose from. There's, <laughs> uh, Pick one from the myriad. I'd say the biggest for me, um, in general, like was the lack. Well, and it's not the lack, but just like because of the subject matter, you were dealing with games that are already created. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, the kind of I was. I'm a creative person, so I just like to be able to do creative things with whatever I have available to with uh, to me and. I had to kind of answer for you know a, a, you know a fairly large corporation over in Japan and then like a you know, pu publicly traded company in Japan plus NIS America. So being creative and also kind of like trying to be fun was kind of always tough. Um, sure. So that was one of the major reasons. And then um, yeah, for, for the most part, it was just like the the creative freedom for right. me. How many pretty bombs got canned? <laughs> I can tell you that there is somewhere in the nether world, if you will, <laughs> the, uh, the ether, nether, nether world. Yeah, that there were canceled pretty bomb comics. Because I did about 200, a little over 200 pretty bombs. So, like, mm -hmm. I remember 
plenty of them. A lot of them went. There's like there's a collaboration between me and Stephen Carlton, who works on all like the, the Sky games. So Stephen has been you know known for his uh, his his wit and also his you know you know dabbling with uh, you know Cthulhu. I guess right. it sounds like it sounds like a a book, but uh, dabbling, dabbling with Cthulhu, a, a cookbook for the uh, the elder gods. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, so there were so many comics that got kind of canceled or ideas that were my quote-unquote McDonald's ideas where, you know, it's like, hey, what do we want to have for lunch today? And somebody's like, McDonald's. And it's like, oh, okay, well, let's start with that. And then anything else is better after that, so. <laughs> right, it's moving on from there. Um, so, so let's get to the formation, Mr. Tired Media, uh, which serves as double duty, offering game PR, as well as you guys have ventured into development. So was this the idea all along? So, we, well, the idea, and it still kind of is the idea that we're going to be uh, a studio. So like, we're really, really, really pushing to you know, be able to make games, and that is our primary goal. And you know, we've done a lot of... Uh, I did PR for a few indie titles to kind of survive in the interim while we've been slogging through here. And then Nick, um, you know, he worked on a few titles uh, to kind of help him out with text editing for RPGs, but that kind of era has ended, and we're basically focused on, um, you know, making games. Keeping it all internal, which... Uh kind of goes back to like the difficulties that I, I experienced working at the J publisher, Japanese publisher. I, just, the J, I like acronyms. Um, I guess it would, I, I would say that it was sort of a shadow complex sort mm-hmm. of deal. Like yeah. everything that I did was already done by somebody else. And when you're bringing something to a different market, as the person working on it, all you can ever hope for is to hear either nothing or to be told that it's it's just as good as the original. So you, you can never escape the shadow of the work that already exists. Yeah. You know, that's completely understandable. But yeah, so we wanted to do this sort of stretch our wings and create things anew. But you've uh, developed quite a name for yourself on the internet, Nick. <laughs> Yes, well, yes I, 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 I take I take great pleasure in reading everything. Oh, they don't they don't mean it. They actually love you. I've talked to some of them. It's okay, oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> even if they do mean it, that's okay. I think they'll uh, they'll appreciate the internal work Idea Factory International will do because they're they're experiencing a good growth. So they have an internal team now, and that also frees me up to work on the things that I can really, really, yep. really hopefully impress people with. I mean, I've, I've been writing for over 20 years. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that. Uh, with the Kickstarter recently launched, let's talk about Undead Darlings, No Cure for Love. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the plot and, and how you guys came up with the storyline? Well, the, the elevator pitch plot is that players take on the role of a young man named Reginald P. Happenstance. Uh, all his buddies call him Reggie. And, you know, no, no relation to any current uh, individuals in the industry. <laughs> right. And he wakes up into a post-apocalyptic world where all, all people have been turned into zombies, although not all of them have turned completely, such as his childhood friend Pearl, who awakens him. And they learn that his dad left, Reggie's dad, left one mason jar of the zombie cure. 
with a message saying like, hey, uh, so I'm going to go try and mass produce this, but if something happens to me, there's one cure left and, you know, it's up to you. So the course, over the course of the game, Reggie is trying to find a place where he can mass produce it and get it out and cure his friends who are the lovely zombie undead darlings. Hmm. Now, 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 the girls, um, let's talk about them for a second. What was the process of coming up with each uh, personality? Uh, and also, did you did you diagram the relationship each one has with one another? Yeah, we, uh, we did all of that. We wanted to create um, a good waifu for every character <laughs> archetype. We're in the waifu business now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, and business is good. Yeah, we did uh, we did character analysis sheets for every single character, and then we went into doing kind of a relationship chart, um, you know, just to kind of do the, a little bit more. You know, there's some visual novels that do that, but we kind of you know just valued the the fact that the, the the female characters can actually interact with each other, and they have you know different kind of yeah, they all have likes, dislikes, hobbies, pasts. Like we all came up with backstories for each of the characters. So those backstories will come up as like reminiscent stories in the game itself. And then other people in the game will be curious about what what's that story about? What do you mean you kissed her before? Etc. etc. She's my waifu. <laughs> right. Now the art is incredibly well done. Uh, so pretty damn oatastic. Can you tell, tell us about the artist? Yeah, so the artist, her name is Hitsu, H-I-T-S-U, or Hitsukuya is the long version. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you go on Twitter or uh, DeviantArt, you can find her there. And we actually found her 2013 at Anime Expo in Artist Alley. Um, and um, after about, uh, we went in 2013, and then 2014, we saw her again and said, hey, we're really serious about this. You know, would you mind doing a few um, character sheets? us where they she kind of picks the color palette and then body size body type overall kind of look for each character Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how we started that and then we moved forward with kind of designing um, the bust ups and then the the CGs plus a few other extra things that we had to do so yeah it was it was a fun process getting the character designs from her we gave her sort of like a rough description of each of the girls and we just said you know Go go for it. Whatever you think would be cute, and you know she nailed it. I do have to ask. Okay, so the girls are zombies. Um, how do you guys skirt the necrophilia issue? We, there is absolutely no etchy in the game, so there's <laughs> not even an inkling of. I mean, we really didn't decided not to do um, full on fan service with the title. I mean, sure. there. Mm-hmm. Very, very, and there may be a really, really light amount of that. Yeah, because um, that, that's when they're human again. When they're human again. But for just in general, I mean, you know, we've just learned working at a publisher that once you kind of, um, you know, go the route of kind of super fan service to the the, the etchy route, then that be, kind of becomes the stigma. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we kind of wanted to start at the middle of the road, and then kind of if we do go down the the etchy kind of like supersonico waifu route, then well, not that she does etchy, but she represents the company that does etchy. Then um, you know, then you know, we would be able to uh, you know maybe rebrand as Mister Lotion or something like that. <laughs> Have a Mister Lotion. It's, Mr. It's sort of Mr. Like Happy a, Lotion. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a twisted version of Sisyphus or something. Like if we if we start with the boulder on on sort of the top of a middle tier hill, you know, 
if we go if we fall down the hill and go into like an etchy route, we at least have that momentum to take us back up to the top of a hill to go back to something more serious. Right. So if you start at the bottom, you're really gonna have to push to get yeah. up out of that. Right. So that's another reason why we chose the RPG route as well, because there is you know uh, there's the visual novel market, and then there's folks that like RPGs. So we wanted to kind of um, collect a little, little bit of both from the market that we knew so well from working at Nice America, and then you know kind of nurture and, and build some stuff with them, and then kind of go out and then to tackle maybe other genres or other forms of RPGs as mm-hmm. we start up. But we had to kind of start with what we could handle. So Now, now speaking of fan service, uh, we had Ryan Coons. He's the creator of Honey Pop on the show a few months back. And he explained that uh, he did not have any intent uh, for the game to be explicit. It was the desire of fans. How would you guys react if the if the masses clamored for a bit of skin? We uh, we were you know like I have been asked or there's a there's a message on there that you know that if, you know we're for Kickstarter if we were kind of interested in doing any sort of nude stuff and I mean that, that kind of goes back to the previous one is you know it mean it would be it would really take a lot of persuasion for us to to do that but I mean again you know we wanted to well, we wanted to be kind of you know, quote unquote wholesome, even though it's like a visual novel, you know, yeah. um, where you're dating undead women. Um, and then also, uh, technically, you can get points for Buck, by the way, Buck Wampum, who is the, the human non zombie character. So we, um, you know, we wanted to be kind of little people in that aspect. Yeah, cool. But, yeah. uh, now, now, what's notable about the game is the combination of, as you mentioned, traditional visual novel type storytelling, uh, along with dungeon crawling. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how battles will play out? Battles will play out uh, sort of a mix between something like Demon Gaze and uh, Fantasy Star 4 from Sega Genesis. Um, the Fantasy Star 4 bit is more of an aesthetic thing, so you get to see um, the characters from behind. So, like, you, the you as Reggie are standing behind them in battle, so like they're in front of you protecting you because you know, you're a human, you don't want to get infected because you might not be as fortunate as them and you'll just go completely brainless. So they're they're up front in front of you protecting you, which is sort of the, the reason for the actual view of the battles. And how they play out is traditional turn based. So you'll put in your three heroines commands and then, you know, it'll be a turn between them and the enemies. And you can set up... Well, I'm just going to start, like, rambling in a disorganized manner if you want to cut in. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will have some uh, kind of macros as well that kind of uh, plays off of... There's a few uh, games in that, you know, in RPGs that make some cool macros that allow you to kind of set up things. Um, there's going to be team attacks and then... Um, you know, there will be forced encounters, and then there will be random random encounters as you walk around in the levels. Um, and it's pretty cool. We've built our own visual novel engine plus our own level editor for the game. So, I mean, we're definitely investing for kind of the long haul. We know we can technically build just like more standard RPG versus a grid-based uh, first-person dungeon crawler utilizing the engine as well. It's actually, you know, building first-person dungeon crawlers is pretty difficult as we've kind of learning because there's a lot a lot of symmetry involved um and then with symmetry like that you kind of have to learn to um you know like uh to kind of give it the hollywood effect versus making it be windows 95 background or you know wolfenstein where it's just 
uh, you know, planes walking around in the hallway. So, so you guys are ready with the engine for undead darlings reinfected? <laughs> reinfected. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we, we are actually, we hope everybody likes it enough that we can kind of create uh, mm-hmm. a series out of it just because there's a lot of different things that we can do. And, you know, we like to make 3D models of the girls and have them be wrapped and then start bringing everything into a more kind of vivid world and then um, kind of do a little bit of world building because it's the apocalypse. I mean, there's a lot of different things we can do um, or the fun apocalypse. As it were. Yeah, I, I probably get ahead of myself, but yeah, I, I have been brainstorming all these world building ideas and concepts for any sort of follow-ups if there's demand for one. So mm-hmm. like, if, if there isn't, then, you know, whatever, I can probably repurpose it into something else, but you know, it's, it's, it's possible to do make this into a series okay. yeah, I, i'm not allowed to do any uh furry waifus apparently <laughs> but oh um, yeah no furry like uh at least in this genre maybe if i'm allowed to you know yeah, once, offshoot if we get out of undead darlings and into you know something of other interests then you know that's that's a thing that's a thing that can happen the, the personal projects. So, so um, the Kickstarter got off to a resounding start, and knowing you, there's a contingency strategy, I'm sure. What is plan B in case you don't make your goal? Plan B uh, right now is to talk to some publishers. So um, that is always an option. And, you know, uh, working in the industry, I mean, we know kind of who we would approach first and then... Um, just through the network, people we know that, that you know we may think about talking to a Japanese publisher because of uh, being able to send it, you know, back to Japan if they'd ever want it. Um, uh, or you know, then <laughs> knowing Japan, you never know. They'll yeah. be like, no, no, those aren't those aren't uh, the right kinds of waifus for our market. <laughs> on, the, on the other uh, hand, let's say Undead Darlings ignites waifu fever around the world, uh, does amazingly well, gives you so much money, you're forced to purchase a, form, a firm that localizes Japanese games. Who would you take over? Oh, great question. Ooh, who would we take over? Oh man. Well, I know which ones I wouldn't take over. Yeah. So, well, I would say, like, for my pick. Um, just like for people that I've worked with, I really like Atlas. Yeah. Um, you know, even though they, you know, they, you know, they're, they're, they technically do business with a lot of other publishers in different ways. So I mean, everybody's friends with them, and just uh, company-wise, uh, stability-wise, and then just uh, you know what's going on in Japan-wise. I mean, I'm always watching that as well. Right. Um, you know, I just it, it, it's really a solid company, and they have, really have a lot of talented people. So as for me. Uh... As he was saying that, I just thought more and more I I, I would take over Exceed because yeah. I love their lineup. I mean, yeah, I mean, you get Senor oh. waifus, you get Falcom waifus, you get you know uh, what Corpse else? Party waifu. Cor- oh my God, Corpse Party waifu! Yeah, there's a new one coming out, right? They, uh, that was at E3, right? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, there's I even love, there's I even some upskirt in the new EDF. <laughs> But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so one last question. Uh, where can listeners go to find out more about Undead Darlings and, say, purge themselves of any money that they probably would just spend on a AAA title that was busted at launch? Uh, <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of many. <laughs> <laughs> we... um. So yeah, the, the Kickstart is just uh, yeah, kickstarter.com, uh, Undead Darlings, and then um, I run the Twitter 
Um, so it's just at Undead Darlings, and then any sort of craziness or uh, any sort of questions about the game or just any kind of shout-outs or, you know, let me know which one is your favorite waifu. Yesterday, we actually had a voice actress say that, you know, please make... Um, you know, the, please make this happen. I want my waifus, and then you made a, a and then I made a picture for her with one of the characters saying, "Like, can I be a waifu too?" So she loved it. Yeah, so. yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was so cute. It's like a waifu telethon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, and then uh, Mr. Tired Media is our website. Awesome. Yep. I uh, I'm I'm peddling away on if anybody comments on the actual website posts. So that's where you can come in. You know. Grill me if you would like. Please feel free to, to talk to us at, about whatever we are. We love interaction. Self, self-deprecation is, is, is our thing. Hopefully yeah. the Darlings will get their own Twitters. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got uh, Scotty Chan. She's got her own uh, yeah. posts on our website. Scotty Chan is our, is our mascot. Oh, yeah. She's, and she's, she's Mr. Tired's daughter. So more, more from her coming later. If we can actually hit our... Um, our DLC goal, or get the PS4. There's a you know a chance that we can kind of get her in the game as well. So we're we're planning for that as well. So hopefully people like her. We really like Super Sonico, so she's we we wanted to kind of uh, you know she's a to, homage to Sonico. Yeah, we want a, a gorgeous mascot also. Right. With a little bit, uh, she's a little bit more demure. Yes. Yes. Tasteful. Tasteful. Well, <laughs> thank you guys for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. Thank you so much, Robert. And wishing you the best of luck. So check out Undead Darlings. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, everyone. Find out if there is a cure for that. You guys ready for trivia? Ready. Okay. Number one, Sadist Unite is Deception 4. The Nightmare Princess is offering an outlet for punishment for PlayStation owners with the title headed to PS4, PS3, and Vita. Yeah, legacy platform. (laughs) Name the feature that hasn't been added to this updated game. A, the addition of Valkyrie, a character capable of stomping enemies or even kicking them into traps. B, the inclusion of the Devil's Disciple, which allows the second player to place traps and use magic to further harm foes. C, the Deception Studio, which allows players to create their own characters, enemies, and missions out of parts gathered by working through the game's campaign. Or D, a bevy of new traps and contraptions, bringing the total number of humiliating snares up to 170. I... Uh think it is A? I feel like the most exciting thing from that list would be B, the second player, so I'm going to say they did not do that. I know it has uh, wooden horses. Okay. I'm going to say That's A also. I believe in A. I believe in the A. Nobody said I C. Do. Nobody no followed Sean, Ro- Sean Nola's. No one went with the Sean B. approach. Correct answer is B. Yes! Ah. Jeremy got it. I knew it. The most mediocre thing wins out. (laughs) Hmm.
Oh, <laughs> by the, by that you're calling my trivia mediocre. No, no, I'm just no. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying you're like, getting mad. The most the most exciting thing, the most oh, exciting thing, of course, is not the one that they add. So it's therefore the most mediocre of all possible realities is the one we live in. I thought the only character they were adding was the uh, red-haired son of Saint or uh, daughter of Satan or whatever the hell. It yeah, was that's her, her. Valkyrie. Oh, that's that's her name. Oh, yeah. son of a bitch. It's Valkyrie, not Valerie. With a G in there. Stuck in the middle. My name Number is Valkyrie. <laughs> I think I'm you're grumpy. cute. Yeah. You're getting she the sounds, wooden horse in your like Batman. No, number two, players that pre-ordered Deception 4 from GameStop or Shop 2 in the EU get the same pre-order bonus that was given to Japanese gamers. Name it. A, the torch tablet, an electronic device that falls into enemy hands, growing so hot it burns their fingers off. B, the golden toilet, a trap that rises from the floor, catapulting foes with a high-powered stream of water. C, (laughs) 100-million-year-old dung. Enemies get covered in dinosaur poop that was cryogenically frozen and thawed to preserve its pungent (laughs) aroma. Or D, the Wimbledon Widowmaker, a trap that sends a barrage of tennis balls into opponents who are immobilized by glue-covered netting on the ground. For a while, I was not sure if these were in-game <laughs> promos of, or right? One yeah, like actual things they would give you. Yes. Uh, they need I'm to gonna... consult me to come up yeah. with, <laughs> with traps. I, for me, it's a, it's a split between C or D. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the tennis thing is a little weird. Right. So so I'm gonna go with C instead. I I want it to be B badly, but I think it's probably C. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that too. When you said golden toilet, that did <laughs> resonate with me because I do I do follow uh, Tech McCoy America on Twitter, Uh-oh. and I seem to remember hearing something about a golden toilet. So I'm going to go with B. No, that was the one that the president had installed in his office. Oh, <laughs> golden! Toilet. He took pictures on the president. And I had a new golden toilet with Bodet. No, no, the correct answer is the golden toilet. Damn it! Yes, yes. <laughs> I was so close. <laughs> Just one letter away. No. <laughs> Number three, this week, Streets of Rage 2 hits Nintendo's portable in 3D form. The game was a, was a collaboration between Sega and Tokyo-based Ancient, a family-based firm, when music composer Yuzo Koshiro works with his mom and sister. Name the game that Ancient hasn't had a hand in. Is it A, Actraiser 2, B, Beyond Oasis, C, Shenmue, or D, Chibi-Robo, Plug Into Adventure? Oh boy. Chibi Robo seems completely and totally obscure, so it's probably in there. What are you talking about? Everybody loves Chibi Robo. What is that subtitle again? Not uh, everybody. Plug, plug into adventure. Is that he always <laughs> has to charge every well, right, I, two minutes. You played Chibi Robo? Yeah, in fact, well, actually, then it's one not obscure. The, one of the final Club Nintendo <laughs> games I got was their I, little Chibi Robo. Right. Not the. That but was, was the a subtitle fake, for the original. It was a one, fake so. Chibi Robo game, right? No, it was all right. Was but, but you were controlling the, the guy, one? and he was cleaning the house. The little <laughs> yeah, little I mean, you can clean okay. stuff with Chibi Robo in that game. Okay, I thought there was like some kind of face one or one of those. Was that was, which okay. one was the D, was that the DS one? Because I saw copies like a of Walmart that, exclusive one. Yeah, yeah, I saw I have copies that. of that sitting on yeah. the shelf for two years. Ten bucks, nobody took it. 
How uh, do you know it's the same one? How do you know someone wasn't coming in and buying it and then they were replacing it with one copy? Because, no, time? because there was an you entire row full of them. Nobody yeah. wanted it. <laughs> you don't know that, yeah, man. Like, you don't know their life. So, of the available choices... I, I need to move to Blue's neighborhood because if I see Chibi Robo for $10, I'm just jumping in the aisles. I'm doing <laughs> cartwheels. Can I tell you, I missed out on a copy of Chibi Robo at a local used game shop. I thought uh, it would still be there okay. in a week, and it was not. So. I'm disappointed in you. Oops. Uh-oh. It's the opposite uh, of Tennessee. Of the available <laughs> choices, I, I guess I'm going to try and go with games that sound more like Streets of Rage. So, I think that either, again, either C or D may not may not be it. But Chibi Robo sounds like the kind of thing that a mom and pop music com- composition shop would maybe work on. So I'm going to go with C. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to guess uh I'm going to guess Beyond Oasis. Okay. Sage. Be- Beyond I Oasis is also- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm also going with C because Sean, Nola, and at this point I don't even remember what the options were, but I'm not going to ask. So, C. Correct answer, Chibi Robo. Oh, no, son of a bitch. You you guys should have known my love for Chibi Robo. Shut (laughs) up. Took into account. (laughs) I figured it was so weird that it must be an actual thing. Yeah. Robots that do. Damn your reverse psychology. Damn it. Robots that do household chores every time gets me. I want one. Yes. This week also sees the release of God of War 3 Remastered for the PlayStation 4, which is yet another iteration of the game on a Sony console. At this point, even hardcore Kratos fans might be confused by all the reissues. See if you can help them out by identifying the fictitious God of War game. Okay, so one of these is is fictitious. Is it A, no cheating, everyone, God of War Origins Collection, B, God of War Saga, C, God of War Betrayal, or D, God of War, the complete collection. Oh, son of a bitch. I want to say it's Saga. I'm torn between Saga and Betrayal. <sighs> I, I also am torn painful. by Betrayal. I'm going go uh, to go with Betrayal, because I've never, ever, ever heard of God of War Betrayal and saga and collection that seems like stuff that would actually get out there <laughs> jeremy's quiet he knows the answer he, it's he's... complete collection there has never been a complete collection of god of war games you're you're pretty hardcore betrayal was the mobile game yeah oh you are hardcore i'm you? super wow. hardcore i love kratos man <laughs> okay Wow, Jeremy right. got it, the complete collection. Jeremy ah, gets fuck. extra points for being such a Kratos fan. Yeah, he even knew Betrayal was the mobile. I'm what what year was that released? Loincloth right now. Uh, 2007? I said 2007, right? No, was that PSP? Saint. That wasn't PSP, was it? No, no, that was... No, uh, it was mobile. Mobile game. Which mobile? one was Saga? Well, that Saga was like the first three, I think. The first two, wasn't it? First two? Maybe first, first two. two. I, see, that's the whole thing. I get confused. They, they yeah. Well, I, one thing I know for sure is there has never been a complete collection, so... Oh, right. Good job. So there All right. This week, Rory McElroy, PGA Tour, will be hitting the greens, vying for players' green. Which of the following isn't a feature in the game? <laughs> oh, Robert, that was terrible. <laughs> was it? <laughs> no, I like it. That was good. Joe, get it up in the rough. Yes. Oh. <laughs> A nightclub challenge, which requires players to make shots in a nightclub-inspired setting. Seems like that would be a good place for Tiger Woods. Wait, what kind of shots? 
Like regular shots. Body shots. Like yeah. the alcoholic shots? No. Golf shots. Oh, like <laughs> Do you get like a Ferrari to drive home shots. afterwards? Yeah, right. B, a choice of three swing modes, arcade, three-click, and tour. Or C, the inclusion of the Frostbite 3 engine. Okay, and, and no sorry. Frostbite's in there. Which right, isn't this was, a feature. Is, is not, okay. Not uh, a um, uh, booze. Yeah, booze. No booze. I'm going to say the swing types. That seems like it's too many options. I think people, I, I think they, have, they give you what you want. I know they used to have the three-click system uh, back around 10 or 12 or something to that effect. I feel, I feel like a real golf game would let you do different swing options, but I, it, somehow it strikes me that they might not do it with this. <laughs> oh, shit. You know what I just realized? What's what? that? I totally fucked up. I didn't put a wrong answer. These are all correct. <laughs> We all get points. <laughs> yes, you all get points. points. That was the one I ran out of time. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I love it. Do, I, I need to come up with a fake answer. But no, there, seriously, there is a nightclub challenge. So you're taking, you're taking oh, shots in a nightclub inspired setting. That was the oh, one I was hoping you'd guess. Well, I would suggest that the listeners, if you can come up with a fake answer for that one, give, give us your, ba- your best fake answer in the show thread. Yes. And I have, yeah. some, I have some codes for some uh, free to play games from Gumi. Gumi. So, uh, Why are they which, if they're free to play? Well, for extra extra content, you can get AX fears on here, all kinds of goodies. I, I, I kind of figured a blade way. of angels, all kinds of good stuff. So, I have a bunch of those. Word. All right, oh. you know, you know how the free your wrong answers in the thread and maybe get some codes. Yes. I, I had an announcement. Can I make my announcement? Good save, Jeremy. Do it. Um, so I don't know how much people care or don't care about this. Uh, when the Pip Boy. Fallout 4 announcement was made and everybody went gonzo and went out and immediately got one. Um, my brother was super sad that he was not going to be able to get one. And I was kind of bummed too because it's one of those things we've talked about sort of building on our own for a long time. Uh, I found a phenomenal website for pre-ordering them. I, it's called something like instock.net and maybe already, everybody already knows about this already so maybe Dot this is R-U. all news. Dot, no. no. <laughs> but they only cost two hundred dollars. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's the normal Ma- price. Markup.com. No, 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 yeah. no. It's normal price. Yes, Overpriced.com. Yeah. No, you're pricegouge.org. You're, you're, you, you guys are really funny but really fucking wrong. So no, what this website does is it sends you alerts, and if you can't find it, do a search for alerts uh and in stock.net or something like that. If if listeners, if you can't find the website, um ask me if you want it and I'll try to post a link for it in the comments. But basically they monitor for you um all of the Walmart, Best Buy, GameStop kind of websites. And as soon as they the one of those websites, one of those online stores puts out a new batch of them, because that's what they've been doing, uh you get an alert right away. And so I did manage to actually pre-order for the normal price not any markup at all, two different um, Pip-Boy, one for him and one for me. So if there are listeners out there who care and who are still trying to get one, um, try doing a Google search for that. If you can't find it, like I said, ask in the links, and I will post you the link to this website. But it, it seems pretty legit. And I definitely, I mean, I got my confirmation from GameStop and everything that, like, yes, I did actually order the, the Pip-Boy. I, I think two. I'm getting into the Pip-Boy reselling business. I got I two Pop-Boys from Felipe coming <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Ones. <laughs> I know I, I the reason why I, I didn't get that. I don't think a new at four is going to fit in that thing, and I just definitely don't want that on my arm. Right. I think they look. I feel cool. like a mecca. No, so I'm. I'm so excited. I want to be a mecca. Really? What kind of phone do you have? I don't care. I'll go get a new phone. <laughs> the, oh gosh. Okay. I. Or you I could just a, duct tape the. I have a Samsung out. Galaxy uh, Five. 
Oh, yeah. But I'm not in love with it, so if it doesn't fit, what? I'll be like, oh, darn, I'll go get a new I one. I think if you go iOS, like an iPhone will fit in there. Right, yeah. Don't do I mean, that, that's call. gross. No, I don't want an iPhone, for sure. But anyway, that's my announcement. Good Good PSA. Robert wants you to join the cult. Join the cult. Join the cult. Cuckoo cola. The ghost of Steve Jobs will welcome you. He loves you. No. Fuck that. <laughs> hmm. Absolutely not. Anyway. Pop boys all around. Okay. So we love everybody, and we hope you all love us. And if you want to follow us, you can do that in a number of places. We exist on exist. We exist on Facebook under Tech Gaming. We exist Dot at com. Tech Dot com. We, yeah. No, we exist at techgaming.com. We also exist on Facebook. Tech-gaming.com. Tech-gaming.com. You know what, Jeremy? Smarty Pants? Fine. Why don't you do that? Okay. I just Twitters. want to give out the right He's information. He's been playing smart as on Vita too much. Yeah, smart no ass. kidding. <laughs> That's right. My Jeremy will tell you our Twitter handles because he's That's so right. smart. Very good. So you can follow uh, Robert and the site at general at tech underscore gaming. You can follow me at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can follow Sage at Samarage. You can follow Eric Blue Swim at Blue Swim. Uh, not with us today, but you can follow her is Cy OMGWTF. And uh, we'd love birthday. to hear. Yeah, that's right. Her birthday just recently. So happy good birthday. Luck. Good luck. Or congratulations on being old. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, also, hey, that hurts. My birthday's in about a week and a half. Jeremy, aren't you old? I'm super old, way super yeah. old, so old yeah. and busted. Uh, pop yeah. into the show thread after the podcast is posted at tech-gaming.com. Tell us what you thought of the show. Give us any feedback. Uh, tell Sage that uh, she's a psychopath. And uh, <laughs> Tell Jeremy that he's a deer murdering, <laughs> baby murdering jerk face. And carbon datum. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he's friggin' old. And until next time, we will see you here on the Tech Gaming Podcast. Au revoir.